Blog Talk Radio. From the IMLD Home Studio, in its seventh season, this is, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. Getting ready for Thanksgiving coming up next week, but first we got a football party here tonight, two hours live with you discussing week 11 in the Ah. NFL and getting ready. Hi, Granny. Hi. How you doing? Good. You having fun in school? And you be learning new things. What grade are you in now? Second. Second grade. You you like second uh, grade? Mhm. That's good. Are you guys getting ready for Thanksgiving next week? Uh huh. You gonna uh, have Thanksgiving dinner at your house? You're going somewhere else. Our house. Okay. Gonna have the whole family at your house. That'll be fun. So, what you been up to lately? What, uh, what what new things are you interested in? I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. I, I I didn't know what I was into yet in second grade either. I I remember back then. It's a long time ago. Well, you guys seen uh, any movies lately? Uh huh. What you been seeing? Good night. <laughs> Good night. Uh, she had just come out of her bedroom because she was super tired. So I asked her if she wanted to talk to you, and she was so excited, but not not the most excitement out of the cute factor there tonight. Yeah, I understand. Is I'm, I'm you know wrecking my. Racking my brain trying to figure out what to ask her to get you know get something out of her, and I I was drawing a blank there. I was gonna about gonna ask her about movies that she's watched lately. That was that was about the only thing I could come up with. But, yeah, so yeah, here we are, another football party. Yeah, it's great to hear from from Cute Factor. I haven't heard from her in a while. So, yeah, it's it's another football party, two hours live. We got started with the cute factor. That's always a good way to start. It's, it's the holidays. You got to, you know, check in with the family and the loved ones and, and get that good stuff out of the way. So that was, that was good to see. Uh, we are live in much less detail, the podcast, doing it as only we can do it. Where else are you going to start a football recap show with a seven-year-old kid? I mean, come on. <laughs> And I'm always fearful because I start the show off with her headphones, you know, with her with the headphones on like that. And I don't know if you're like going to go on some rant, you know, so I don't know if it's right. like a bomb city to start the show, but. That's a because, very fair and, uh, 
thing to worry yes, about. Yeah. Because as we as we work into the week twelve breakdown here, we might as well just start with the sore subject about what might be the worst oh. beat of the year <laughs> on your lock, the Arizona Cardinals. Which I, I can't complain. I, I think I texted you after that, like, man, I can't complain ever again this season about any of the bad beats that I have had because to have a lock go down by giving up 13 unanswered points in 50 seconds is that's all time. That that is an all time bad beat right there, and you end up eating the push, which doesn't hurt us in the picks, but it kills you because it was your lock of the week. A push is as good as a lock on our lock as a, as a loss rather. Yeah. yeah a, a push is a, a, if you lose a lock or if you push, it's the same thing. Cause we're trying to accumulate wins in the lock category, which seems to be difficult as hell for us. Uh, ever since we instituted the lock rule, it, it's hard, man. It's get, getting a lock of the week is, is much harder than, than I thought it would be. I know that. Uh, yeah. You actually said you would never complain about losing a lock again. <laughs> As long yeah, okay. as you live. Well, I don't know about that. That might be a bit extreme. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to go that far. I mean, obviously, in the uh, moment, I was really yeah. feeling it because I have been dealt that kind of shit sandwich all season long. <laughs> and you know, we got another one here on Thursday night where we get hooked um, by the by right. the Colts. But you know, three and a half point spread, team lose. Yeah, well, okay, that's that's not really that bad. I mean, it was a twenty seventeen game, but yeah given up 13 unanswered points and the way they gave it up on the old throwing the ball around move at the that's end of the, the game. That, that's the killers. The way yeah. they gave up that last touchdown with no hope at all of right. doing anything with that football. And the lineman is just going to jump on it. He, he, he can't pick it up and <laughs> score. He's there. They're, they're right. at the 30. I think he's not going to run 70 yards. <laughs> they literally, so, Pushed the ball back to the end zone. So it looks like his thought process was, okay, I, I can jump on this loose ball with no time right. left on the clock, but if I get tackled, we're going to lose. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw the ball up in the air blindly behind me and just hope that somebody on my team picks it up and we can keep this ridiculous lateral going and – no, nobody on your team picked it up. Instead, the uh, the 49ers pick it up and run it in for a completely meaningless touchdown, which meaningless to anyone except those who were betting the points first. I, yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen a, a dumber ending to a football game than that. Because there's not, there, what do you think is going to happen when you throw the ball behind you 20 yards without even looking? What you think? You think something good's coming out of that? I mean. Again, I, I guess I get it. Like if he's like, if I lay on this ball and get tackled, it's over anyway. So I'm going to do this to make sure at least it's not over. At least I can go to bed saying the, the game didn't end with me lying on top of the football, which is no way to win a game. We, we can't win if I'm lying on the football. We have to keep the ball live. So I, right. I guess I get it, but fuck, man. <laughs> What you know, a and, way and, to get and San Francisco could have completely gone out and kicked the extra point to come completely just blow it. And I don't know. I thought by rule they had to. Um, what happened there? A couple of years ago, the they made it a new rule that if it doesn't affect the outcome oh. of the game, uh, no, you, you don't kick the extra point anymore. It's, it's you, not. It's you not an option. Say, 
you would think in a league with all these crazy tiebreakers, wouldn't you just love to be the San Francisco 49ers and end up losing out on a tiebreaker by one point now? <laughs> that would be really messed up. Yeah. I mean, hey, it, it we, does we had a chance. We had an extra we have point. Seen, we have seen these playoff scenarios, right? Sure. Sure. Where points scored or points against a common opponent, they, they matter, especially when you only have 16 games, you're going to have teams that, you know, a lot of times you have a team that gets in just because of a tiebreaker. You could have three, nine, and seven teams, and the team that gets in is pure based solely on tiebreakers. So you'd think in a division game, you'd want every point, but whatever, you know. Um, but so that at least saved us a loss. But yeah, one of the worst, if not the worst, this is Hall of Infamy bad as far as a bad beat goes. <laughs> Man. Because Fling the you ball don't behind see, myself. I mean, I think it might have even been 13 points in 35 seconds when I actually go back and look at it. And I yeah, knew you is. had it. I mean, you had that. It was it was sewn up. It was over. The Cardinals came out and gave the Niners all they could handle, just like I said they, they did. would. Exactly. Everything went exactly the way we both said it would. We both had the Cardinals. So there's no. We did. There was no like I got saved by this, you know. We both had Arizona. You just had them to win, and since you had them winning as a ten-point dog, then well, well, yeah, I gotta lock that up, right? And they sure. were winning until there was about thirty-five seconds left to go <laughs> in the game, uh, which saved me because my lock of the week, uh, the New Orleans Saints, did exactly what I said they would do, rolling up they the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you know, Jameis Winston, Jameis gonna Jameis, right? Jameis, Jameis, Jameis. <laughs> Man. I believe I believe what I called it at work was I said that's just Jameis Winston doing Jameis Winston things. <laughs> yeah, that's about all you can say about it. He, he still doesn't have a snazzy nickname, and he, 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 here's his nickname: Bad. That's his new nickname. Jameis Winston is just bad. Uh, so that's 18 picks for for Jameis this season now. Uh, the the one uh, one of them was a silly behind the back OJ Howard bobble up in the air for uh, for a Saints interception. So you can't blame them all on Jameis, but the vast majority of them are, are his fault. I, I heard uh, Jason mute his mic because his kids were starting to get wild back there. No, I actually didn't. Um, that was my dog barking. Oh, I thought that was okay. I thought that was a kid screaming or yelling. I, I, the, the the little dog. You haven't uh, uh, introduced the little fella yet uh, on the show. The new the new addition. Yeah, I don't. I, well, there you go. <laughs> first first time you get <laughs> the factor go. and the puppy on the show in the same <laughs> night. So actually, no, I did not mute you. It just got really loud all of a sudden and then just stopped abruptly. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, I mean, I, it was it was a weird week. Uh, we only disagreed on three games which was just – that's almost as rare as the weeks that we disagree on 10. That we, right. you know, we Typically, we're disagreeing on somewhere between, what, five and seven games. That feels pretty that, normal. I was going to say just exactly those very numbers, between about five and seven. <laughs> yeah. That's what it feels somewhere, like. Yeah, so three, especially after the last show starts, and we disagreed on the first two right off the bat, and then basically kumbaya for the whole rest of the show – and uh, I mean, it was a mixed bag. I believe what was it, seven, seven, six, and one for me. Uh, that is correct. And, and six, six, seven, and one, seven and one for you. And it was That's the right. and one that ended up being the uh, uh, the heartbreaker because that would have kept you in the lock lead, and now we're back to dead even. At five. 
at five out of eleven. <laughs> You're right. Five and six it's, on our locks. Like the are the, the, the most sure of. Right. We've only won. It's, it's, I don't. I don't know why it's so difficult. It's, it's, it's really difficult to pick a, a lock of the week because you got all these games. You got such a big selection to choose from: fourteen, fifteen, sixteen games, and you got to pick the one out of that that you just know you're gonna. But there could be seven or eight games that you kind of feel like, yeah, I'm pretty confident in in, in all of those, but I got to pick one. I got to. I could only do one as my lock of the week, and sometimes you pick the wrong one. That's just. Uh, Arizona led 16 to nothing. So I hate to say that I picked the wrong one. You know what I mean? But uh, as it turned out, I guess I did. No, I mean, that's a, that is a loss in the locks and a and a push in the picks that feels like a win. And how many times do I say that? <laughs> I know I say that because I whine a lot when I lose, but how many times does one of us lose a pick and you still feel like you were right? Mm. And, and we both lost that pick. Well, we pushed, so technically it's no harm, no foul. But we pushed on a pick that we were both 100% completely right on for 59 minutes and 25 <laughs> seconds. And it's worse because, like I said, you you got all these games that you might win, but you got to pick the one that you think is definitely going to yeah. win. You thought I was going to lock up the Rams Sunday night over the Bears. And guess Oops. what? I should have locked up the Rams Sunday night over the Bears. <laughs> Was so sure. So not only was oh. I not only was I right about my lock, I was right about what should have been your lock. <laughs> right. Okay. So now you're just going to pick my locks the rest of the year. How about that? Yeah, you? No, you don't want that. <laughs> I believe five and six for both of us speaks for itself. I, I guess. Well, we I guess you know, you're right. Yeah, because you know five. I think you know five five and one for you. I guess. Oh well. But technically, it doesn't matter because we only go by wins, not pushes. Um, right. On locks, it, it didn't happen. You, you bet your money in Vegas, you got it back. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, just crazy. So, Although I, I guess there were some that, that uh, got nine and a half, and some got ten and a half. That, that, that line was bouncing around from what I was reading. So some people uh, have some really great stories to tell, and some people have some really really tragic stories to tell as far as that pick. A little bit yeah, of everything. That's that's uh, that's an all-time bad beat right there. That was um, some some all-time almost bad offense on Sunday night. Talking about that Bears Rams game to, uh, that I just referenced, just some some seriously dysfunctional offense going on, and it's it winds up being a matchup of two quarterbacks who are both uh, experiencing extremely down years after having some success. Uh, you know, last year, obviously, Jared Goff had a lot more success than Mitch Trubisky, but Trubisky was was being praised and looked at as, as someone that was up and coming, uh, you know, leading Chicago to a division title. So uh, it's not like it was just completely uh, blown out of proportion that, oh, Goff is way, way better. Uh, Goff has been much uh, worse this year than last year, and Trubisky, of course, has been as, as bad as it gets. And neither one of them could figure it out on, on Sunday night. And it was, it was an awful game to watch. It was a, you got Thanksgiving coming up. So it was a cornucopia uh, of overthrows and, and stop routes by their receivers and bad decisions by the quarterbacks and holding the ball way too long and, and a bunch of near interceptions. It's pretty much everything you could imagine as far as bad quarterback play. Um, and, and when Jared Goff finally 
bombs it, it is called back because uh, if you remember the play, the Cooper Cup yeah. didn't cover up the left tackle. Yeah, don't don't we just love these? <laughs> don't so we just love these procedural the things? Defense, oh, yeah. this guy wasn't lined up. This guy was lined up two feet behind where he was supposed to be, so that would have made the lineman eligible. And it's like, oh, is this what we need? <laughs> I mean, they I already call that... enough penalties. We already we, we don't we don't know. We're we're three months into the season. We don't know what pass interference is, but we need procedural stuff called like that. Yeah, we we need to figure out if the line if the tackle is being covered. Is he eligible? Did he report? Did he? Uh, <laughs> well, if he didn't the report, things, then I'm gonna guess he's not eligible. All the things that uh, that the referees get wrong and get criticized for and screw up, but believe yeah. me, they're on that stuff. The the, the mm-hmm. line procedural stuff, they're all over oh, that. Oh man, that guy, that that side judge or whoever saw that threw that flag. That dude was creaming his pants. He, he gets knew to do his, his job. Grade. Oh, man. His grade was going to be great. <laughs> he, he, he may have missed 700 instances of pass interference in the game, and, and which would all be upheld upon replay if the coaches wanted to challenge it, of course. Uh, but but he got that right. He got the the tackle was being covered by a by a eligible receiver. Yeah. So yeah, that was just bad. Um, uh, eventually, uh, LA scores uh, while Mitch Trubisky is is getting. Uh, bended and, and screwed sideways, and eventually yeah. uh, benched for I guess his hip. No, no, no. He was hurt. hurt. He was hurt. That's what that's what the claim is. That's He's what hurt. Man he, has a, he had a he had a, a hip pointer or a something. Uh huh. That, that nobody um, knew about. Apparently, and yeah. you know, you have the coach on the sideline talking to him forever, telling him he's taking him out of the game. So apparently, Matt Nagy is you know telling him hey. that. You, dude, you, you have a hurt. hip pointer. So here's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> here's the deal. We got to get our story straight, son. You have Listen a up. hip pointer. You are in. Uh, I don't have a hip pointer, coach. No, no. You don't no. understand. You have a Look hip pointer. I'm telling you. Now I'm gonna. You're hurt. Yeah. And I'm gonna put Chase Daniel in to go three and out. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, Mitch Trubisky with a hip pointer might have done better. He might have. So, uh, as the uh, Bears fan on the show, I just want to briefly address that elephant in the room as far as the benching and and what that means. Uh, again, both of us being from Chicago, we know that there's a section of of fandom that will always clamor for the backup quarterback under any circumstance. I and and there's also a section of people that have said is this the end is this the uh the the death knell for the Mitch Trubisky era getting benched in in that spot at the end of the game I don't think it's the end of Mitch Trubisky I'm okay with the benching because that's how bad Trubisky was playing whether it's a quote-unquote hip or whatever um just get somebody else in there for a possible spark you're down two possessions you get two cheap touchdowns from this spark and you pull out a win that you don't deserve I, I get it, and I'm okay with that, so long as it's temporary. Uh, some people, Peter King is one of them. He wrote in his uh, column the next day that he thinks Trubisky actually should be benched for two to three weeks as Whoa. sort of a mental health break. And I respect that opinion, but I don't want that to happen. I, I think Trubisky is, I guess I think he may be a little too mentally fragile for a two to three week benching. I think you risk losing him completely. If you do that, you may not, but I think you risk doing that. 
but the one the one or two series or whatever benching because he's been so awful this year because he's been so bad at making decisions and and deciding to go downfield or deciding to run he's not running at all this year he's just basically standing back there and waiting for something bad to happen um because he seems to be a little fried mentally i was okay with the benching at the end of the game he wasn't going to win that game what he was whatever hurt. he was doing uh, okay he was he was hurt uh, but he, the way he was playing, there was no way he was going to win no. that game. No, no, so. Mitch Trubisky or nobody was bringing. No, they were losing that game. Well, I'm saying if Chase Daniel gets a, a couple of cheap touchdowns oh. somehow, then they, yeah. may have, they may have pulled it out. But Trubisky wasn't getting a couple of cheap touchdowns. He wasn't getting any touchdowns because yeah. he was playing that I don't badly. Think the, I don't think the Rams' defense was going to let the Bears do anything. Uh, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 okay with that. But I I bring him back this week, which they're going to do, uh, because his his hip is better. So see, wait, I feel better. So it's, yeah. it's all good. Good <laughs> <can> mambo. <laughs> That's right. I can't get that clip. I can't find that on YouTube. That that night court episode. Oh, I, I looked. Okay. Well, eventually, eventually, somewhere, somewhere, somehow, somebody has that. If it if it ever goes up, you know I'll be all over it. One of the one of the great moments that we reference on this show all the time the the wait yeah. I feel better moment that we you see that all the time. That's right, and it doesn't do any good to describe it because it would take too long, and it, it's it's much better if you actually hear the whole thing. So yeah, oh. yeah, I'm I'm the, the the Bears thing is it's it's over this year. They're not. I, I guess I should feel kind of okay that I did say they weren't going to make the playoffs this year coming up. Yeah, the we actually title. both. Uh, neither one of us had the Bears in the playoffs this year. Okay. I believe. Um, let me let me check my check my notes. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, be, uh, I totally oh, believe. I actually you. had the Bears and I have the Bears and the Cowboys as wild cards this year. Oh, okay. Ugh. Well, yeah, my, NF- my NFC, my NFC is jacked. Um, my not AFC my, is okay. Still, never as jacked as me. Still, again, the worst pick of all time, the Atlanta Falcons to win the Super Bowl. Although, hey, the last two weeks, not not too bad. Yeah, it, it's two weeks. Believe me, I'm not putting any value in that or, or making it. Blowing it out of proportion is, is is anything bigger than what it is. It's it, it's two good games out of sixteen, so good for them. You know. You know, I'm, I was going to ask you a question. Uh, we've never we've never done this in the history of in much less detail as a blog, as before the blog, or as a podcast. Uh-oh. Do we need to resend? Do we do we need to rescind <laughs> a FedEx team? Have we ever brought a team back out of FedEx status? Because the Atlanta Falcons do not look like a FedEx team right now. They haven't given up a defensive touchdown in two weeks. I believe, if I saw the number correct, uh, the team that was giving up 57%, I believe, third down conversions against uh, Carolina <laughs> last week was like one for 14 giving up yeah. third down conversions. I mean... Have we ever seen this before? Have we seen a team look so dead in the water and then play two good teams? I mean, they didn't beat the the Jets and, you know, they didn't beat the Jets and the Titans. They beat the Saints and the Panthers, competitive over 500 teams, and the Saints are one of the best teams in the NFC, and they have boat raced both of them. 
they also didn't beat Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. They beat Drew Brees coming off an injury and Kyle yeah. fucking Allen. So but, uh, I, I would slow my roll on that. They that one. don't look like they're hashtag full of quit right now. They don't. No, they they absolutely don't. Um, I I don't know if we've ever had to rescind it, but I'll, I'll give them a little something there. They seem to be for two games at least rising from the dead. <laughs> Give them a little Undertaker for that. that. That's good on them. They're they're trying to rise up from the grave, and I don't know how long that run's gonna gonna continue. But uh, as apparently they're the world's biggest fan of theirs, having picked them to win the Super Bowl before the year began, um, I'm I'm glad to see it. I hope they keep it up. Yeah, I mean that that was two um, incredibly impressive performances in a row. And yes, I mean we can poo-poo it, but th- this was a team that was losing to to just garbage teams. And up yes, until they that like win they against, quit. Up, up again, up until that win against the Saints, their only win had come in on a, basically a last-second touchdown throw to Julio Jones against a Philadelphia defense that had nobody playing in the secondary. Right. So, yeah, we we I think we were right to call them in as a FedEx team, but I I would be okay uh, saying that they are no longer a FedEx team. Well, let's see what they do this week. They they got another. Okay, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna wait to pass judgment. But here they are. It's their third um, division game in a row. Right, another division game. Oh. They, they, and we get to uh, see if Jameis Winston gets to do Jameis Winston things. Right. So another team that isn't very good, but isn't the yes. they're, they're not the Bengals either. I, I I I will say that they are not the worst <laughs> yeah. team in the league. No, and the Bucks. The Bucks can the Bucks can show flashes, and I think that's what makes Tampa right. Bay probably one of the most frustrating teams in the league. And I mean, I, I had this conversation with one of my coworkers this week. Actually, it was while Jameis Winston was lo- blowing up with all the turnovers against the Saints. I was like, didn't Bruce Arians semi-retire because of heart problems? This might not <laughs> yeah. be the quarterback that you want to come back to coach. Uh, it, it's, you have it's a awful. faint heart. He Bruce seems Arians to try to gonna fucking die on the sideline. <laughs> He seemed to try to rein him in uh, <laughs> at the beginning when he first got a hold of him at the beginning. Of the year. And then he's sort of right. like, okay, let's let, let him loose a little bit and see what he's got and let him play. Let him be Jameis. Let Jameis be Jameis. And this is Jameis. When you let Jameis be Jameis, this is what you get. You get some uh, really nice plays. You get some really big plays. You get some really long throws. And then you get some throws where you go, what the fuck are you doing? Why did you throw that ball 15 yards past the intended reach? What were you looking at? What? I, I can't, yeah, I, I can't imagine what Bruce Arians is going through when he watches the tape of, of Jameis Winston after these games. Because it's like, how do you look that bad? on so, How do you look that good and accurate and strong on some throws and look that awful on others? It's it's. That, that's a that's a three ring circles man. Watching Jameis Winston try to play in the NFL, it's it, it's 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 not good. And I don't think Tampa Bay is going to wind up bringing him back. I think he's going to suffer the same fate uh, as his draft classmate Marcus Mariota. I think they both outstayed their welcome in, in both of their draft cities. We'll see. Uh, we'll see because we've clearly seen. I think we've seen more flashes of talent with Jameis Winston than we have ever seen with Marcus Mariota. Um, where Marcus Mariota, I think, was more of like a gadgety type guy, and he was he he was a one trick pony. And once the arm injuries started to creep up, he you know you can't have a quarterback whose whole game is to 
run around like crazy and extend plays and then can't throw the ball more than, you know, 14 yards. That's a recipe for disaster. So, yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, that's more of a preview of the game coming up than a review of the games that we had last week. Um, I guess I guess we should talk about the one that put me over you for the week, and that would be the one I actually won that I felt terrible about was the Patriots looking like complete and utter trash and still covering the four in Philadelphia because the Eagles looked like bigger heaps of trash. Because all you need is one good drive to, to beat the Eagles, apparently, the, the way they're yes. playing right now. Uh, yeah, that one was a thing 17-10 out, game, and if you would have told me before the game that the Patriots would have only scored 17, I would have thought that the Eagles would have had them. Right. Um, but no, I, I underestimated how badly they uh, the Eagles missed Alshon Jeffrey because that turned Zach Ertz into the only possession receiver on the field for the Eagles when they needed a, a third down conversion, and the Patriots, knowing that, just sent the entire coverage uh, after him. And he was like double and triple covered uh, on every third down. Uh, and, and when you look at the other weapons and try to go to them, when you're talking about uh, Nelson Aguilar, who is making a habit out of dropping big passes and, and fucking up games for the Eagles. Um, and who else is even out there? Mac Hollins and, and the, the rookie Arcega Whiteside who can't get open. Uh, it's just, there's nothing there. And, the the one thing I'll give uh, the Patriots credit for, as much as I want to take stuff away from them and discredit them, um, I, I'll still sort of discredit the defense. I still think that, that defense is as good as, as their numbers say they are. They played a lot of terrible uh, teams to be to begin the year. Um, and they got it done uh, on Sunday against Philly, but offensively for the Patriots, and we we all see how struggle how much they're struggling. We all see that Tom Brady can't throw the ball downfield. And and we see that I don't know what's happening uh, running wise, uh, but they're taking a step back there. Sony Michelle is not finding any holes, and uh, and nobody else is being able to run the football either. So you talk about a very very limited offense for the Patriots this year, and they come out and make the adjustments in the second half uh, for the first drive, and, and that's all they needed, as it turned out. Uh, when you get uh, Muhammad Sanu on an end around on that opening drive of the second half. Uh, Philip Dorsett got a, a, a pass underneath. Um, Rex Burkhead got a screen and rambled 30 yards. That was uh, assisted by a blown tackle by Nathan Gary. Um, but just the, the, the halftime adjustments already right there were, were showing up. The fact that the Patriots were finding other routes and other outlets and, and other uh, play calls to, to get yardage downfield. Um, and of course, topped off by uh, third third down, very slick. Brady throws the out to, to Edelman, but it's backwards. So Edelman has got the, the opportunity to, to let it loose downfield. And we know he used to play quarterback in, in college. We know that because every fucking primetime game or, or nationally televised game that the Patriots have, they remind you that Julian Edelman used to play quarterback in college. Um, and he, he let it rip to, to Dorsett, uh, 15-yard touchdown. Um, and, and James Wright ran into two point conversion, and there it was, seventeen to ten after the first drive of the third of, of the third quarter, and that's it, folks. Deep, deep, deep. That's all, folks. Nothing else uh, happened the, the entire rest of the game, um, and that will that wound up being the final score. So they made the adjustments, and the, and the Eagles made nothing. The Eagles had nothing. They made nothing, um, and, and and they got 
man, they're targets, man. They're they're running around with some guys that all have stone hands. I can't. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a bigger collection of stone hands. Uh, when you talk about um, Aguilar and, and Dallas Goddard can can have him clank off his hands sometimes, um, and, and all those other receivers and, and Mac Collins and all that. It's uh, Jordan Matthews was out there. He he was so bad that the Eagles cut him once upon a time and they had to bring him back because that's how much they need uh, the help in the in the receiver uh, category. But yeah, I was uh, I was upset because I really thought you know this would be one of those tough opponents that would expose the Patriots after that very soft opening to the season. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and 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 they they're choking me up, man. They I, I really like the Eagles, but they just couldn't get it done. And um, again, credit to the Patriots for making the one adjustment that they had to make to win that game. Yeah, and you know, I know you've been you've been on this kick the last few weeks that the Eagles are they're going to go on that run. They're going to go on that run, but I <sighs> I keep seeing the Patriots and 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 they are not impressive even at nine and one, they're not a very impressive team at nine and one They're, but there's still enough coaching and defense, even though their offense is just a utter, just disaster right now. There's just, they're going to find a way, you know, it's going to take a team like the Ravens or the, the cheat. It's going to take somebody who can light them up to light a fire under them. But you also are going to need a team that can, can, you know, clamp down on that, just, you know, five yard passing game, you know, or Tom Brady finding some receiver you've never heard of on a two yard route who then just makes a guy miss and all of a sudden it's a 40 yard completion. Um, they're dangerous just because they're so, you know, there's just so much veteran guile on that team. And, you know, and Belichick and Brady and that offense runs like a machine, even though this year it's been bad and their offensive line is not very good. And I don't, they don't have a receiver who can go downfield and catch the ball. And we just crapped all over the Patriots, and they're nine and one. <laughs> it, it doesn't make any damn sense. It just does right. not make any sense. So after that game, now that leaves the Patriots' offensive numbers at twenty fourth in the league in running, and they're only averaging three point three yards a carry, and seventh in the league in passing, tied for seventh, but they're only averaging six point nine yards per throw. That's not a nine and one team. It really isn't when you have numbers like that. The defensive numbers are are great uh, as far as uh, stopping the ball through the air, uh, but again, I think they, that's a, a partly because of some of the opponents that they've had. They can get gashed on the ground. They're not the greatest team defensively uh, against the run. They're giving up four and a half yards per run, four point six. Uh, that's again, that's not a nine and one team either. So yeah, I, I will continue to stay and, and uh, to give away a, a pick. You'll see coming up uh, when we pick our week 12, I will continue to stay on the uh, New England Patriots are overrated and, and a, a product of their uh, early season schedule. I'm going to continue to stay on that. I didn't see too much to, to make me think otherwise against the, uh, against the Eagles. I think the Eagles take that game if they have some receivers that can actually hold on to the fucking football. It's, oh, yeah. It was yeah, right there um, for What would the Eagles – the Eagles would be two games clear of that division right now if they had receivers who could catch. Yes. That's I mean, they, Carson Wentz has had game-winning touchdowns just blatantly dropped at least twice. I mean, usually by the same guy. Maybe more <laughs> than twice and usually by the same guy in, in Aguilar. Yeah, it was right oh, there. Oh, well, uh, maybe we should jump to a game that we got wrong and probably the worst game we got wrong of the week. Um, yeah. Man, 
at Baltimore. Jesus. When you're hot, you're hot, man. Um, yeah. They I mean, are... that, game, that game went so south early for the Texans, though, after we had another uh, – it looked like DeAndre Hopkins gets interfered with on about you know on a, like a like a 50 yard bomb and he blatantly did get interfered with and they didn't call it and then Houston challenged and even with the blatant pass interference where everybody in the booth and the replay guy that they have there with them all are like oh yeah that's pass interference if that's not pass interference I don't know what is well you know who doesn't know Al Riverone you don't know what pass one. interference is. so they upheld it and uh, no pass interference and I believe that was on a fourth down call. So uh, Baltimore gets the ball, scores a touchdown, and then it was just the floodgates opened up. And what, what did everybody complain about after the game from Houston? Uh, pass interference. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah, there's only one. There's only one thing you can say when something that blatant happens, and they go to replay, and they still refuse to overturn it. There's only one thing you can say that. What the hell's going on out here? What What are we doing? Why is that rule what, in place if you're not going to overturn blatant? I mean, I saw well, we know what I forget what game. I was watching somebody on TV this week, and I forget who said it. I always like to try to give credit when somebody says something smart. But somebody basically goes back, you know, and says, you know, if we had this last year, they probably would have upheld the play in the Saints Rams game. Well, the, uh, upon further review, it, it was not interference to play stands. <laughs> What? I mean, what do you need to get? Does You're the right. guy literally have to just run down there and, like, knife the dude or something? Yes. You have to shiv somebody to, to get pass interference now. Uh, and, and when they call actual pass interference, that's fine. So they know what it is. It's just that in the instances in which they miss it, and there's a way to go back on replay and see, oh, we, we missed that. They, just admit that you missed it. You don't get every call. It seems like the, the Al Riveron is having a hissy fit and refusing to overturn obvious calls that the referees miss, uh, as if to say, well, they called it on the field and that's what's just going to stand, it, just ignoring the video evidence put in front of them. And that is a, that's a crime. That is a shame. You you are actively robbing the the the, the players who who are the, the the on the wrong end of these bad calls. You're taking what is right, what they rightfully earned. New Hopkins mm-hmm. earned a, a, an interference call. You're taking that away from him out of spite. And that's just wrong. And, and something's yep. got to be done about that. Be- yeah. So we have, I believe I talked about this early in the season um, with the rule. When you saw the first couple of weeks, it was like one out of the first 17 were reversed. Right. And I know that the, reversal rate right now on pass interference of any kind is it's in the teens, but the ones that aren't getting, I mean, the ones that aren't getting reversed, a lot of those are calls that should, should have been made right the first time and they should be reversed. And we're seeing these things. So it's like the fans see it, the announcers see it, the dude sitting in the booth or the, the guy they go to, you know, the, the, the Dean Blandinos or whoever those types of guys are. The, the, oh yeah. That's interesting. Oh yeah, she's that's interference hands down, and then then you go to the field, but apparently the refs and the replay official don't think so, and it's making it, it, and we've seen it so much. It's just hard. It's it's making the games very hard to watch. Yeah, it, because it is. you it's... you feel like you're not watching players dictate the outcome of games anymore, making great plays. No, I I agree. It's, it's you, you cannot 
rob people who have who have earned calls and and done things to earn uh, something on the field. You can't just have the referees miss that and then and and then ha- have a system in place to rectify that, where you can change a, a wrong that was done and make it right and just close your eyes to it and go, nah, not going to do that. No, call stands on the field. That, that doesn't benefit anybody. Your 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 league's getting laughed at by outsiders. And the people who love the sport on the inside are getting angry. And, you know, like you and me, we're going, what, what is, what's going on? Why are we doing this? Vince again, Vince. What the hell's going on out here? That, that, that's all you can say. That, that's, that's no, actually, I, I believe, I believe the proper drop isn't, that's the reaction that we get from the fans and the announcers. I think the reaction that we get from the Al Riverone is the, you know, the, Hey, what happened? <laughs> that's what these <laughs> officials are doing. It's hey, so what weird. happened? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't that, know. That is actually, I believe, I believe that is actual audio of Al Riverone when they send him <laughs> up a, a re, replays to, to review. Hey, Al, we got another review up here. We got another pass interference that got missed. Here's the videotape. All right, Al, what, Al? Hey, what happened? Uh, <laughs> oh. All right, well, we, we tried. We sent him the tape, and, and he just uh, he sits there on his thumbs. So, yeah, so Baltimore blows out, blows out. I mean, that that was just an utter decimation at the, you know, that they laid on the Houston Texans. And what's the narrative after the game? Officials suck. Stupid, stupid officiating. Um, as far as the actual game goes, Got to give full credit to Pro Football Focus. What did I say that they said about Deshaun Watson before the game uh, on the show last week? They said, watch out for him standing back there, holding the ball, making problems for himself, not necessarily getting pressured and and coughing up the ball and doing stuff, but having a chance to get rid of the ball and make a play and instead waiting forever for some huge play downfield or something um, and just taking his time and doing way too much. And the first drive of the game, Deshaun Watson dancing around, holding the ball forever and avoided some guys, but Matthew Judon catches up to him and gets rid of and, and gets the football out and, and Baltimore recovers the fumble. Just doing way too much. And, and that's a problem for him. Um and, and, and it wound up sinking them in this game. He had that streak of never having a game in which he was blown out. He never lost a game by more than what seven or eight points before this game and he when when you when it goes down it goes down hard he didn't lose by 10 he lost by a lot yeah Uh, that was not even that was over quick 41 to 7 uh and then you know i like those games though where you can just check it off and (laughs) it's over there's no suspense no there was no suspense yeah didn't have to take that one down to the wire uh that wasn't that wasn't detroit and uh, dallas right that that game that Detroit hung around for a while, and you know we had to wait for the outcome of that one. Um, we, we, it wasn't like when we lost with the Raiders and the Bengals, where the Raiders just uh. couldn't keep getting out of their own way, and they just kept letting the Bengals hang around. Now, ultimately, they won the game in a very unimpressive way, but you know that that, that the number was always within reach. And I hate those losses where you, you know you end up eating it late. Yeah, we end up four or five instances where it's just right there. It's right there. Or Thursday night where the Texans pass up the long field goal and just have Deshaun Watson throw a 50-yard bomb into the stands. 
to run out the clock. Yeah, that that hurt uh, because that <laughs> yeah. was right. That was also right there for us. Yeah, it was uh, maybe a forty-eight, fifty-yard field goal. Yeah, but if, if it's more time left, they probably kick the field goal because they don't want to just run the clock and, and then give them a, give them the ball with some time left, uh, only needing a field goal. They would go ahead if there was. Uh, 30 seconds left or something like that, they would kick the field goal to make it a six-point game and then kick off to uh, to the other team. But uh, because there was so little time, they were able to call it. And it was the complete correct call. There's no way I would uh, let them have the ball either. If there's five seconds left when I snap the ball on fourth down, yeah, I'm, I'm either going to run backwards and and right. run all, all the clock down. If, there, if nobody shakes me, I'm just going to keep running backwards until it gets to zero and then take a knee. Uh, yeah. Or if I get pressure, I'm just going to fling it up in the air as high as possible and let the yeah. clock run but out that way. I hate so. to say it, but in football now, is every field goal attempt has an automatic five-second runoff. It does? So they could have tried. Yeah. Well, yeah, five seconds or less on any field goal attempt, and they let the clock expire now. Okay, with, uh, with, under, two, with under two minutes, is that, the, yeah. is that a rule? Okay. Correct. Any field goal. That's why a lot of these guys will call timeout right at five or four seconds now. Yeah, yeah. Because you know that that that's it. So, but the only other outcome is unfortunately a block and it gets returned and right now you now you look like absolute chumps and you get second guess. So I understand, but from just a betting standpoint, God, that sucked. Exactly. Houston did exactly what, what what we said they would do. Yeah, and Deshaun Watson played a much different game uh, than the Baltimore loss. He wasn't dancing around. He wasn't making trouble for himself. So he, he learned a lesson from one game to another. So now we, what we have to see is, is that just a big game situation that maybe Deshaun Watson, maybe the moment was too big for him uh, going into Baltimore and, and maybe he uh, took his time and, and tried to make too much happen uh, on, on the big stage there. So Yeah. I don't know. But but what we do know is Deshaun, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson rather, um, is is unstoppable right now and just a beast and and he, anything he does whether it's running throwing just whatever he does it's it's it's, it's turning into gold right now. Right, so you know we got we got a little bit of time left here. I mean there were some dog crap games last week. We don't really need to talk about the you know Jets and the Redskins. Uh, don't even feel all that excited about talking about the Colts and the Jags. Um, Broncos <laughs> tried to beat the Vikings. Woof. Whoa! <laughs> they were up twenty to nothing. Arizona was up twenty to, to nothing and lost, and and, and Denver was up uh, twenty to nothing, and, and a twenty point lead at the half uh, that they yeah. blew. That's that's hard. So um, again, the Vikings did not trust Kirk Cousins to try to win that game until they had no choice. Until they were down and then had to play catch up and had to let them. Uh, throw the ball that again the balance the Vikings again just you, you don't want to rely on the run and you don't want to rely on the pass but if you you know one or the other it's it's easy to say balance from here sitting at, uh, at home but it, they're such an easy team to diagnose when you're watching them on TV when they balance it out and and, and let uh, Cook dominate and then go off a of play action and let Kirk Cousins uh, let it rip through the air. It, it, it's one of the more seamless offenses in the league. They just seem to find a, a, a way to not have that balance. And, and when it's off, it's really off. So 
Uh, Dalvin Cook, by the way, might be wearing down. That might be another issue, too, is that they were trying to rely on him to start the game, and he wasn't getting the yardage that he normally gets. So this buy might be at the perfect time for the Vikings uh, because he might be uh, starting to get a little beat up. Well, and if we think about the last couple of seasons, Dalvin Cook hasn't shown that he's been the most durable guy. Correct. So now it's, it's right. he's had a, a, a three quarters of a season of, of dominant football and, and one of the best running backs in the game. And, and so maybe that's a little too much for him. Yeah, I, I guess we should briefly pat ourselves on the back for not believing in the Miami Dolphins and realizing that the number had finally moved to a respectable point and the Buffalo Bills obliged and we both took them and went and uh, kicked the crap out of the Miami Dolphins. Boy, I hope this is the start of the Dolphins' decline. (laughs) I'm so sick of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's not a good franchise. They're clearly tanking. They're clearly trying to lose. Uh, And and they're almost making themselves like a fuzzy underdog feel-good story by by showing up and competing and and winning a game (laughs) or two. I I did not understand that. I, I didn't either. But... They were doing it, and they were and they were getting a little bit of view for it. And now this this ass kicking by Buffalo. I I, I hope that's the start of something. <laughs> I hope they go well, back. You know, to and where but Buffalo, you know, well, I believe uh, I have to say, um, I know I was only what seven seven six and one, so it's not a great week. I'm not going to gloat, but my my bounce back week worked. Yeah, you know, a, yeah. a lot of the teams that suffered horrible defeats the week before that I predicted would bounce back. And we had the Rams, um, the chiefs, the Patriots, um, the saints. So we had mm-hmm. a lot of teams that got rolled up the week before that. I thought, you know, these teams are better than that. And uh, yeah, my, my theme last week of, uh, of bounce back weeks um, worked and the bills, the bills lose a heartbreaker. They bounce back. So, um, Hey, I can I can claim geniusness for one week. Absolutely, those 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 picks came through and the, and sort of a theme there and and those worked out for you. So yeah, it, when when you get it done, take a take a bow. Absolutely, you know I would. Uh, Thanks. The, I'm gonna uh, the, take the victory lap. The the Monday nighter uh, in in Mexico City between the Chiefs and the uh, and the Chargers. That was uh, we we both get that one. The, the Chiefs win by a touchdown as, as four point favorites. That one was I haven't seen uh, a bunch of guys sucking wind like they were at the end of that game because of the altitude in Mexico City. So oh, that was a yeah that was a that weird was scene because you, you 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 got the Chargers trying to make this last minute and and every snap every play afterwards they're on their you know, not on their knees, but their hands are on their knees and they're yeah. puffing and puffing. Everybody trying to get their catch their breath, and the Chiefs defenders on the other side, they're all. <sighs> <laughs> I liked it if you were watching that final drive before Rivers threw the pick. The you know, and they were doing this more like a no huddle because you know they're playing against the clock. Some of yeah. the Chiefs defensive players barely got back in time before the snap. Right. <laughs> I mean, there were a few plays just... where dudes were not; they weren't even like hustling. <laughs> If they were basically like, you know what, offsides, fuck it. <laughs> and they would, they would just be, seen... and a couple of the times the dude would just get to the other side of the line. You didn't even really see him just try to get set. He just kind of stood there like, oh, here we go. Right. And then he just kind of like, go through the motions. Right. I'm here. 
it looked like a preseason game. Everybody looked like they were so out of shape, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't that they're out of shape. Is that, that that's how high the altitude was in Mexico City. So I, I hadn't seen anything quite like that. Sometimes you see that in Denver, especially early in the season when guys aren't in uh, the best cardiovascular shape yet. But this was, uh, man, I, I felt sorry for those guys out there, especially the big guys in the uh, interior line. I'm, I'm very, uh, you know, uh, sensitive to their plight. <laughs> trying to trying to catch their breath and suck wind. Uh, uh, I had some flashbacks to our, our pickup football games when I could barely keep up with everybody. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm laughing at you guys, but hey, hats off to you. It's a it's a hell of a environment to try to hustle and, and play a game, and uh, especially a game that physical. So, uh, good on you guys for for staying in there and not completely passing out. Good job. They they did it. They they gutted it out, and they had their they had their trip. They got a free trip, and the field didn't yeah. completely disintegrate down there in Mexico City either. They tried. It was it was, it was <laughs> soft and mushy, yeah, but, it wasn't, but it wasn't it wasn't the disaster it was last time, and it wasn't it, they didn't at least have to play on an eighty yard field either. Well, that's always good <laughs> when you're actually playing on a regulation length field. That, yes. That's always uh, ideal. Um, yeah, Philip Rivers is uh, that that last interception to was the kid Sorensen, Daniel Sorensen, just standing yeah. under there waiting for the ball to to come down in the end zone. It was like he was throwing it to the Chiefs defender. He was pulling a Jameis. He was just throwing a <laughs> ball where it makes you pull your James hair out. Things. <laughs> exactly. Um, he <laughs> made some of the worst decisions the last couple of games. Yeah. Rivers had. He's awful. I, I am gonna. I am going to have to patent the Jameis Winston things um, saying, because I think, I think we're on to something with that one, because you have a game like that, you're doing Jameis Winston things. So is that like because Manny you can't explain Manny? Them. You just can't explain them. I understand a quarterback throwing picks because, you know, a guy makes a great defensive play. Phillip Rivers and Jameis Winston lately have just been, they're just throwing picks for fun. You watch them throw these balls. You're like, what are you doing? They, they both are looking at their, their intended targets and, and looking 10 yards and 15 yards beyond them and going, all right, here we go. It's like, why did you do that? Yeah, it, it's weird. So Jameis, Jameis Winston doing Jameis Winston things is, 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 is the new Manny being Manny. I, I, I like that. I think, I think you can market that. Jameis Winston things? Yeah. Or I like that. I don't think we can get some T-shirts made up. Uh, so yeah, you briefly mentioned Jags and uh, Colts. Jacksonville, just to mention that Jacksonville let Indianapolis run for two sixty-two. And what the hell is wrong with the the Jaguars? Am I going to get Vince again? What Vince? What, what the hell's going on out here? This is not the Jacksonville Jaguars defense that that we know and love. What's I don't well, know what's it's, happening? Well, it's Jacksonville. It's nothing to do about stopping the run. Ah, I see. Um, and, and Nick Foles. So Against stopping the Foles, run in Jacksonville. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Foles uh, opening up the run game for Leonard Fournette. I believe I mentioned that would be uh, something that I, I, yeah. I like. I like Foles coming back to, uh, Nick Foles to open tried. up the offense. He made some nice throws. Yeah, but Fournette didn't have any uh, opportunities to run. They they were yeah. too enamored with with Foles throwing the ball. They didn't. They forgot Fournette was on the team. Yeah, and and Nick Foles also can't play run defense. That's that's true. 
that's why I don't uh, pay attention to, to the quarterback win stat that gets thrown around every now and then. Because, again, we've talked about this many times on the show. That's the only sport where the the the, the quarterback doesn't have any say on half the game. He doesn't. He can't come in and play defense. He can't possibly do anything uh, about one half of the of the field. And so, therefore, you can't possibly, to me, talk about wins and losses uh, for a quarterback. It's, it's, it, at least in baseball, the you know the the pitcher hits in the National League and it doesn't hit in the American League. Uh, so I don't pay too much attention to wins there either. But at least you got some parameters where the pitcher controls things. Where you know, if he gives up no runs, you know, then the uh, he's got a chance for a win. Uh, the other team has to score at least one. But if you can't in in football, you can't give the quarterback a win because he's having to score enough points to win. Because that's dependent on if his defense is any good. If he scores, you know, six points and the defense happened to give up three, you're going to give the quarterback a win for that shit? Give me a break. Get out of here. So, uh, so I, I really, I, I've heard that a few times uh, on some podcasts about quarterback wins lately, and it seems to be sort of creeping up more and more. Uh, I think as, as Tom Brady racks up the quarterback wins, uh, they start talking more and more about that, and uh, I, I have no use for that. Uh, that was a brief little rant by me there. Um, yeah, don't know if we got too much else uh, to cover from, uh, you know, the the Cowboys uh, uh, as as a as a, a card carrying Dak Prescott hater, it really hurts me to look at uh, what he's been doing. But good grief, he's uh, about as hot as Lamar Jackson throwing the football lately. Just uh, he, he gets a big time effort from Michael Gallup uh, to help him out, but. Uh, he, he went for a lot in the first half against Detroit. Uh, it was like two something, two seventies, I believe, in the first half, uh, throwing the football, um, and, and on his way to to 444 yards in the air uh, to help Dallas uh, pull that game out. And right. what was interesting about that is they continued to struggle running the football. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, another subpar effort. I, I still observe that the Cowboys offensive line isn't playing nearly as good as they normally do. And I think that's a big part of the issue with, with running the ball right now. But you usually that, that sinks you uh, when you're uh, the Cowboys the last few years with Dak Prescott. If you're not getting it from the run game, then it's over. You don't have uh, – you have nothing because Dak wasn't someone you could rely on to sort of take the reins and lead the team offensively with no running game behind them. And right now Dak Prescott is leading that offense with, with almost no running game behind him. And it's uh, kind of amazing to watch. He's, he's really coming forward and, and improved his play over the last few years, gotten better and better. Um, he's looking for that big contract. Um, and I've always, I still maintain, I don't think he deserves what he's looking for. He's looking for, you know, to be one of, if not the top, yeah. excuse me, top paid quarterbacks in all of football. I just think that's kind of silly, but man, he's, he's doing it right now. There's, no one can take it away from him right now. Dak Prescott is, is playing some great, great football. And I, I wish I had paid better attention because I heard this this week. And I, I, I think we have another secret listener to our show. No, 
because one of the talking, you know, talking, I'm at work all week, right? There's talking head shows on all day, right? So I'm back between, I'm between Fox Sports and ESPN. And one of the talking head topics was, should Dak Prescott be in the MVP conversation now? Oh, here we go with the MVP conversation again. And and one of the answers was, yes, he should be in the MVP conversation. Dak Prescott is not the MVP, (laughs) which I believe has been uttered on this very show. And there's your conversation. There it is. And that's yeah, the con- yeah, you can be in that. the conversation. Dak Prescott's not the MVP. <laughs> End of conversation. And I heard that, and I was like, damn it. Like, <laughs> so much stuff gets stolen from this show. The Merga thing, I'm still mad about the Merga hats. Oh, man. Well, you know, at least we didn't spend money on them. Like Antonio no, Brown. No, I had- know. I mean, it would have cost me a whole, like, 1995 to have that made. <laughs> We don't know how many Antonio Brown had made, though. He may have had a whole gross, uh, thinking he was going to sell, a, you know, a thousand of these things or, or ten thousand. So, very costly for him. But so at least we didn't. We, we came up with the idea, but at least it didn't cost us any money in the end. But yeah, we we do get a lot of stuff uh, that we say on here first, and and then you hear it later on. So, uh, we might be more influential than we could imagine. You, you never know. <laughs> Yeah, we we uh, was it the uh, the last year was it when you actually pulled the rip off of one of the sites about the Bob Sanders <laughs> analogy? I couldn't believe it. I'm sitting there. You're sitting there listening to me on someone else's show. <laughs> We're just randomly pulling a Bob Sanders reference out of their ass, and I'm like, wait a damn minute! Jason just said that. Uh, so yeah. Uh, you, if you want to be one of the cool kids and say that you were listening before everyone else does, and, you know you gotta gotta give us our credit. You gotta say, hey, I heard it here first on in much yeah. less detail. We just need someone, someone, somewhere. Just, we just need to know who these secret listeners are because, man, I'm tired of us saying shit on this show, show to have it repeated. Um, I believe it was also last year when I had made the analogy between uh, John Gruden and Trump when we started the whole Merga thing. And like two weeks later, it's on the Coward Show. No joke. Mm-hmm. No joke. And we have tape. So that's the one hey, nice all thing. all our shows. You know. Yeah. So another secret listener of our show. Someone who, someone on the Colin Coward production staff. <laughs> that's a great analogy. I'm giving that to Coward. <laughs> Fuck. All right. So I think we covered them all. You know, Saints bounced back. Bills took care of business, right? Um Falcons are no longer a FedEx mail it in team. Vikings hate Kirk Cousins. Pass interference sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Jameis Winston does Jameis Winston things. We we still haven't talked about the Jets and the Redskins. Fuck them. Oh, um, worst beat of the year. And uh, yeah, we we covered it all. So I guess it's time for yep. time for a whistle and plugs and let's make some picks. Yeah, I, I think we we played all the hits. Uh, first, we're going to get a visit from an old buddy. It is Nash in Atlanta on the show. What's up, Nash? Uh, not much, man. Just trying to, you know, help the public out here, man. All right, don't, let's get it. Don't fall for this Atlanta Falcons thing, man. <laughs> it's, it's a classic setup, man. They win no, two no, games in we're a row. Just, we're, we're not falling for the Falcons. We're just saying this was a team that we had basically three weeks ago determined had mailed it in completely. And that's usually the sign that the team's just done for the whole rest of the year. And we're very proud of the fact that they don't look like a mail it in team right now. They still suck. Right. They they still suck, but they, 
clearly like the coach, so they're trying to save his job. But just in true Atlanta fashion, the moment people start believing in this, it's going to go the other way. That's all I'm saying because I'm seeing a lot of people starting to say, well, they could be a tough out or a spoiler going through. I'm like, dude, this is Atlanta. This is what we do. You build up expectations <laughs> and then you crush people's dreams. This is what's well, going I'm, a, I'm a Falcons fan. You're, you know. you're speaking to my heart here. Indeed, indeed. So you know, you know the whole story. But uh, yeah, man, good, good week, week twelve. We'll see what happens out here. But uh, my one question to you guys is, uh, New England. I know we do this every year where we say, hey, this doesn't look like this, this doesn't look like that. But this may be a personnel issue, man. This may be close to the end, man. They may finally die, and I'll be so happy. But I uh, wanted to get y'all opinion. <laughs> Well, I have a theory on that. Is if we just keep saying it every year, it's eventually going to happen. Indeed, it absolutely. We're going to be right eventually. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you, Nash. I'm looking at that receiver core. I'm like, how? How are they winning games with with? I don't know who they're they're running out there now. They were trying to run Philip Dorsett out there. He's hurt now. Uh, Antonio Brown for one week. Uh, Julian Edelman by himself, basically, and nobody else. Uh, they, they finally got that rookie uh, in Keel Harry uh, off the injured list and tried to run him out there. He doesn't seem to be uh, all that good yet. Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know how they're winning games. I, I understand their defense has been great this year, but, again, I, I believe that's because of the opponents that they played earlier in the year. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I'm looking at that offense, and it's just – it looks awful. Tom Brady cannot get the ball downfield. When he does, he, does, he doesn't have anyone that can actually go downfield and get the ball. Uh, they had to manufacture a trick touchdown to beat Philadelphia. Uh, if they didn't get that, they, they might still be playing. They might be tied at 10 forever in that game. Uh, I don't understand. I, I just – I'm with you. I don't get it. Indeed. That, and that was that was the play that actually got Dorsett hurt. Uh, the smack right, that got he jacked up in that game, right? So it's that. It's Sony Michelle appears to be banged up to the point that he doesn't look like his explosive self, and then you know he doesn't have a dynamic tight end anymore. So I don't know, yeah. man. So maybe I'm hoping on this one. But uh, <laughs> y'all finish out the show. Good job as always, man. Appreciate you, Nash. Sure. Yeah, that's Naj in Atlanta. Yeah, I, you, we're, we, yeah, we're. I think we're all sort of hoping with with the Patriots. We're all just kind of waiting for them to finally get that death knell and and be done with it. We're, you know, you look at that roster and you're like, how how are they doing it? So, uh, the, we got coming up in Week 12 is uh, the insufferable fan base championship between uh, the Patriots uh, hosting the Dallas Cowboys and yeah. that game. You can't. How do you root for either one? I don't. You don't. <laughs> you don't. You just. You don't go with whatever the result is, and and, yeah. and it is what it is, right? Uh, yeah. yeah we... So no, I mean, yeah, I don't. I I don't want to give anybody any any false illusions that we're uh, on board with the Falcons here, or 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 we think that they're going to go on a run here and they're going to finish nine and seven and and be a secret playoff. Con- no, this is this is. This is basically us just pulling them back from the brink of being, you know, a, a, a team that has completely just there that they're on the golf course in week 10, which is what we thought they were. Naj is right in one respect that the question has been thrown out there. I heard on some podcast that somebody asked, hey, can Atlanta run the table? I mean, and I'm like, no, what? Come on. Well, 
see here. Saints pan after this week. Saints Panthers ni- at Niners. Um, Jaguars at Bucks. No, they're not going to run the table. No, no. They, they could they could finish seven and nine. They could finish six and ten. I mean, and for more they were, that would be. You, you know, we don't have a lot of seven a- and nine or six and ten mail it in teams. I, I think we're doing the right thing here. At least, mm-hmm. I think we're at least right to give it a try, or to be yeah. open to the idea. It would be a great effort. It would be a, an attempt to save their coach's job, which is exactly uh, what Naj called it, and, and I completely agree with that. It's not going to work. Uh, Arthur Blank is firing his ass. Uh, Dan Quinn is done. We all know that. Uh, but but hey, they're giving the effort. They're doing all they can to, to try to save him, and and this is what the defense should have been playing like for the first half of the year, or else they wouldn't have to be trying to rally to save his job. So. You know, that's that's how it happens sometimes. Sometimes you you have some stumbles early. You look up and you go, how'd that happen? You don't know how to recover. And then you start mailing it in because you're like, well, fuck, now the season's done and all our uh, lofty expectations are over. And then you go on by and you come back and say, okay, we're refreshed now. Now we're going to make a, you know, a a much better effort of ourselves. That's all it is. It's not run the table is not resurrect and, and become a, a playoff contender. It's make a better effort of ourselves, make some better efforts and make ourselves proud of ourselves. That's all it is. And, and good on them for doing it. All right, here we go. Yeah. Week 12 in the NFL, our picks are coming up. I'll br- briefly let you know that you're listening live to blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail podcast to go to Apple podcasts or iTunes just search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Go to any number of different podcasting apps, including TuneIn and MixCloud and many others, and just search for us, and our show will be up. Uh, just subscribe, and it will be downloaded to you. Our blog has all our football picks after we make our picks here. That will be up on the website, inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. You can follow me on Twitter at IMLDDre. You can follow Jason at IMLDJTG. And you can send any questions or comments via email to the following email address, in much less detail at gmail.com. And with that, it is on to week 12, three quarters of the season, down the drain and in the books and getting ready for Thanksgiving next week. But first, time to pick week 12. We will start with the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons. Of course we will. And they are hosting the aforementioned Jameis Winston. Will Jameis do Jameis things as the Tampa Bay Bucks visit the Atlanta Falcons? Three and seven, both teams. And Tampa is a three and a half point dog at Atlanta. Well, I, I'm. We, we, I know Naj is probably telling us not to, you know, <laughs> Don't not it. to believe in the Atlanta Falcons. He's telling us the White Mouse will explode, but. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead here, and I am going to take the Atlanta Falcons this week. This this is an opponent I think they can handle. Jameis Winston does continue and will continue to do Jameis Winston things. And Dan Quinn is coaching the hell out of that defense right now um, for a team that was one of the worst defensive units through Week 10 to hold the Saints and the Panthers both under 10. Yeah, I could see them holding serve here at home. Uh, I, I worry about that offense. That at Atlanta offense just that's been fits and starts. But if they can turn the if they can turn the Bucks over, or if they can you know let Jameis Winston do Jameis Winston things or get some three and outs. I mean, they were third down, you know, three and out machines last week against the Panthers. If they can get the 
you know, some plus position here on the field. I, I yeah, I, I see them covering covering this number and and winning going away. I'm not locking this shit up because uh, <laughs> I don't trust them at all. But I'll I'll take the Falcons and give the points. Uh, no Devontae Freeman or Austin Hooper in this game for the Falcons offense. But what they have been doing, what they were hoping for uh, when they drafted Calvin Ridley was a second option for Julio Jones, somebody to take the pressure off of Julio. So that aspect is working just fine uh, for Matty Ice and the Falcons. Uh, yeah, they are struggling definitely in the run game and, and trying to balance out their offense. But uh, when Matty Ice lets it rip through the air, he's he's still got – those two weapons and, and still making it happen through the air. So that that's about all they need so far uh, through the last couple of games anyway. Yeah. Um, here come my, my Falcons, my Super Bowl Falcons. They're, they're going to run the table just like everyone is saying, no, I'm, I'm co- totally kidding about that. Uh, take it easy. Um, but no, it, the Falcons are obviously uh, on a roll through these last couple of games. And here comes the execrable decision-making of Jameis Winston, uh, which is not nearly as catchy on a T-shirt as Jameis Winston doing Jameis Winston things. Um, I will agree and, and take uh, Atlanta and give it a three and a half. And I'm not locking that shit up either. But you got to call it like it is. Falcons are hot. So going to ride them at least for now. The Miami Dolphins were hot before the Bills got a hold of them. The Cleveland Browns have never been hot this year, uh, but they're – Big favorites anyway. The uh, two and eight Dolphins are ten and a half point dogs. Biggest spread of the week at the four and six Cleveland Browns. These Dolphins spreads are probably one of my favorite stories of the whole year. We got them <laughs> back last week at six and a half, and that started to feel like a value. And then they go and they get exactly what you think is going to have happen to them, and the, and the Bills, you know, beat them like a drum. And now they get to go to Cleveland against a, a, a massively underperforming. Cleveland Brown team now minus Miles Garrett and minus Ogajobi and yeah Miles I mean, Garrett's not playing what happened did, did something happen I, to him some little thing that we talked we, we spent half a show talking about that last week and some of the after show so we don't need to go oh, over that yeah. again but you know all that being said I still think I am going to take the Browns here at home and they are the, they are a good defensive unit they every week we say it's a must win and they're playing desperate but I don't see the Dolphins going into Cleveland. Maybe last week was a wake-up call and a rallying cry for them. Who knows? But maybe against my better judgment, I'm going to take the Browns at home and give the points. Uh, Yeah, no Miles Garrett. Also, no Olivier Vernon. That's due to injury, not suspension uh, for Cleveland. Uh, Maybe last week was a rallying point for the Browns. Or maybe last week was yet another indication that the Browns are not nearly the team that anyone thought they were, that Freddie Kinches is in over his head as the coach, which you, uh, I know you agree with that point because you've brought it up many times. If you think he's in over his head, um, I'm sorry. I saw this spread and like, what, what are we, what are we talking about? The, the, that team that with Baker Mayfield and the way he's been playing and, uh, can't get the ball to his best receiver and the, the, you know all the problems that they're having and now their two best defenders the two best defenders are out of Vernon and Garrett uh no 10 and a half point no that that's that's silly I'm sorry I'm back on the fish I'm back on the fish big time I'm locking it up I wouldn't be surprised at all if they won the game go dolphins go the browns are trash wow 
locking up the dolphin. Now that that that's some stones. Hey, I gotta call it like I see it. On to the Jets and the Raiders and New York at three and seven. Uh, don't know what to make of them. They they have some games where they look like oh there might be something here, but most of the time they look like garbage themselves. Uh, they are. Three-point dogs only uh, at home against the uh, six and four Oakland Raiders going out east. Yeah, in, in in a pick that I made and stunned even myself, I'm gonna actually go ahead and take the Jets here at home. Uh, go back to my old West Coast team going east. Uh, mm. Weather's probably not gonna be in this on the you know that's definitely not gonna be a favorable weather matchup for the Oakland Raiders going out to New York. It, it could be dicey out there, but you know the Jets. The Jets can, they can hang against bad teams. And the Raiders are, I don't know if they're good, bad, or if they're bad, good, but I think they qualify for a team that could go into a spot like this and kind of be had. So I'm going to, I'm going to roll with that theory here and I'm going to take the Jets uh, just to win the game straight up. Yeah. Oakland, uh, they were, they're six and four there. I knew they were going to be six and four after last week because they were playing the Cincinnati Bengals who are the worst team in football. Uh, so they should be very proud that they're six and four and they're squarely in contention for, for a playoff spot and, and no one can take anything away from them. They've been playing much better football the last month or so, but uh, we were both disappointed that they couldn't find a way to cover uh, a spread against a, a Bengals outfit that frankly looks like they're, they should be relegated out of the NFL um, yeah, this seems like a, a, I completely concur. It seems like a perfect spot for, for Murga to spit up on themselves and, and, and piss away all the goodwill that they've uh, managed to build by playing well for the last month or so. Uh, and, and for New York, look for Jamal Adams. The, the, the safety has been just beasting lately. Uh, he gets in there and gets sacks and also runs people down uh, in coverage. Uh, and, and, the Jets got something there, definitely. They almost traded him away at the trade deadline, and, and thankfully for them, they did not. Um, so, yeah, it feels like one of those games for, for the Jets. The, 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 you talked about the weather. It might rain. Um, it's going to be pretty much cloudy and dreary everywhere out east for, for all these eastern uh, games. Um, and, and, yeah, it might be might be some dicey weather. You're right about that. And that will definitely play against – the Raiders and, and, and Derek Carr and, and how he's been playing lately if, uh, if if it is bad weather. So, yeah, I'll agree with you and take uh, gang green in that one. Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints in NFC South action. And we talked about Carolina last week. That, uh, that was not good what they did against the Falcons. And now they have to go play Drew Brees and the Saints. Uh, almost the biggest spread of the week. Carolina plus 10 at the 8-2 Saints. Yeah, nice bounce back game last week for the uh, New Orleans Saints. I think they can keep that rolling here. Last the a couple of weeks ago against Atlanta, I think felt like an aberration. They need to get back, get back to being right. Feels like a really good spot here. The Panthers, the the, the Kyle Allen thing. I mean, he, he played an admirable game up in Green Bay, a game they they should have should have covered for me. Um, you know, and then just go and get completely embarrassed last week by the Atlanta Falcons and. A better team would bounce back from that spot, but not when you have to go into the Dome, into New Orleans here, and play a, a fired-up New Orleans team who's still going to be trying to get that number one seed. So I'm, I'm going to take the Saints here and give the points. 
Yeah, I, I I concur. That smelled like uh, we might have a new mail-it-in team uh, with with the Carolina Panthers. That smelled like a total team collapse last week against Atlanta. You know how I talked about, you know, now we got the news about Cam Newton and he's definitely out and he's not coming back this year and he's probably not coming back to Charlotte uh, ever again. And, and now the, the players on that team got to look around and say, hey, our MVP, he's gone and he's not coming back. And now we're our leader is going to be this guy, Kyle Allen. And, you know, that, you got to have a bit of a letdown, I would think. And I don't think uh, at New Orleans is a good place to end that letdown. So I'm going to agree with you and have it continue. Uh, and, and yes, that, that was a very good bounce back by New Orleans. I was uh, completely wrong on that pick uh, against Tampa Bay. And I was especially wrong saying that the defense would suffer because of Marshawn Lattimore being out uh they found a way to, to play well because they were playing Jameis Winston and Jameis did Jameis things and they didn't need Marshawn Lattimore to be Jameis when he's doing Jameis things. So good on them. Marsh, uh, Marshawn Lattimore may return uh, tomorrow for this one, uh, but either way I will concur and take New Orleans and give the 10 Denver and Buffalo Broncos at three and seven, but I think playing much better than that record indicates at least defensively. Um, but they are still underdogs, four-point underdogs at Josh Allen. Project has been surprisingly good, uh, and the seven and three Buffalo Bills. Yeah, so we get to watch Denver go on the road last week and blow a twenty-point ro- 20 halftime lead in Minnesota. But I think I think Buffalo is a safer bet here because I don't think Buffalo is the kind of team that can give up 20 points just about to anybody, and they're definitely not a team that's going to get behind the Denver Broncos 20 to nothing. So we're not going to need some miracle comeback. I think the Buffalo Bills do exactly what the Buffalo Bills have done all year long, which is let a team hang around and hang around, and they keep the score close, and they pull away in the fourth quarter, and the next thing you know, the Bills, you look up, and they've won the game, and they've covered the number. So I'm going to take the Bills here, give the four. Who knows? They probably win this thing by five. They they might. Uh, There's been some chatter about the Broncos uh, team-wise having some issues and and difficulties with the new coach, Vic Fangio. But the fact is they still compete. They've been competing all year, even though they're three and seven. Um, The AP write-up about this game uh, said that the Broncos have led in every game this year except two. And when you think about that and, and that they're only three and seven, I, that's, you can definitely take it a, a, a wrong way though. That means that they keep blowing games and that's not good. You don't want to be that kind of team, especially blowing a 20 point lead, but it does also say, Hey, there's something there. If they keep getting the lead in every game, uh, they, they must be doing something right. They must be competing. And, uh, you know, me and my little uh, uh, trends, my numbers trends, their defense has been trending way up the last several weeks uh, they brought their uh, numbers down, uh, yards per game or uh, yards per run given up. They brought that down more than a, a yard per carry uh, over the last six weeks. I like Denver. I, I love the the under, of course, in this game. But the when you talk about the Broncos and the Bills, the Battle of the Allens, uh, Brandon Allen and Kyle. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll take Denver. I'll take the four. I, I think they're the type of team to surprise some people. Uh, They tried to surprise Minneapolis, uh, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, and and they almost pulled that game out. Um, And I don't think the Bills have the offense to survive uh, getting down early, which they very well could 
get down early. I understand their defense is, is very good. But, again, the Broncos come out. They they compete. They try. They're going to run the ball. Um, and and the, the Bills can give up the run. And I think that's how Denver's going to win this game is low and, and grind it out on the ground and, and get away with the with a victory up in Buffalo. Okay. On to Seattle and Philadelphia. Uh, the betting public thinks this is going to be a, a very tight game. It's not just me and, and some Eagles love. Seattle is 8-2 and two and coming off a bye, and uh, Russell Wilson has, has had all the MVP chatter you could hope for around him and is well-deserved. And even with all of that, the Seahawks are one-point dogs on the road at Carson Wentz and the 5-5 five and five Eagles. This was the game that I believe uh, got flexed out of the Sunday night position uh, in favor of the Green Bay San Francisco game, which makes total sense to me. <laughs> That's going to be yes. a monster game, but I'm going to go ahead here and I am going to take the Philadelphia Eagles as, as game as the CA Hawks have been all year. And as down as I have been on the Eagles, I feel like this is sort of that one last time kind of chance for the Philadelphia Eagles. We, we keep waiting we, we, we keep waiting for that Eagles resurgence, and maybe it'll never come, but this feels like the kind of spot where it needs to. Otherwise, I think they're in danger of losing grip on their uh, chances to make the playoffs or the division. So I think we get a little bit more of a desperation game here. And, of course, we always get the West Coast team traveling east, which always gives that home team a little bit of an advantage. Yeah, uh, Philly continuing to try to overcome the talent deficit that they have. Uh, getting again, getting Alshon Jeffrey back is huge. I talked about it a little earlier, but just having a possession receiver, just having someone you can go to on third down other than Zach Ertz, and if the defense takes him away and, and triple covers him and zone covers him, uh, then you have nothing. Um, just to have that back is, is a big, big deal for Carson Wentz and the Eagles. Um, they will have some injuries of their own. Still, uh, Jordan Howard uh, should not return. He, he's trying to come back uh, at running back, but looks like he's not going to be able to make it. I thought Miles Sanders would have a big opportunity last week to sort of stake his claim as the lead back, but they don't want to use him that way. Doug Peterson um, is definitely hedging, and uh, I think the first several carries of that uh, Eagles-Patriots game went to someone named Boston Scott, and at that point I should have known that the Eagles were going to blow that game if you're giving <laughs> carries to Boston Scott. Um, but uh, a big uh, situation is going to be uh, left tackle Lane Johnson out for the Eagles protecting Carson Wentz. However, mitigated by the Seahawks likely are not going to have Jadevian Clowney. He's got a hip injury. And the last time we saw Seattle, they were pulling off the, the uh, quote-unquote upset at San Francisco. And a big part of that was Clowney getting back there and just making havoc all day and all night out of uh, uh uh, out of Garoppolo. Uh, so him not being out there is going to make me lean towards uh, pretty much for the same reasons uh, that the Eagles, this is one more shot, one last shot to stay in, in playoff contention. And I think the reason they're being bet down uh, to where they're favored still over a team that's three games better than them is I think everyone else feels the same way that they can't imagine Philadelphia going five and six, and they can't imagine uh, a team that's that, close to being really good and competitive of suffering another loss, no matter how good the Seahawks have been playing. So we're, we're all uh, in concurrence uh, in that one. Um, we'll see how it works out. Uh, 
I don't think either one of us would be surprised if Russell Wilson pulls, puts up another MVP-type performance and, and winds up uh, pulling that game out for Seattle. But we're both going to go with the Eagles in this one. We, we, I think we're both having a hunch on that. On to the Giants and the Bears. Uh, and I don't know how you make anything of either one of these teams or either one of these quarterbacks. Um, and before I make my pick, I'll have the, the full disclosure of after all of that, I still had the Bears winning, but I haven't winning by six. And so I had to make a choice because that's exactly what the number is. So the two and eight Giants are plus six at the four and six Bears. Yeah, I, I, I had a weird feeling about this pick, too, so I'm glad that you had this game sitting right on the six, so you have the Bears yep. winning by six. Interestingly enough, I actually took the Giants in the points here. I I can't trust the Bears as far as you could throw this team right now. I mean, the, the offense is just a complete mess. Um, the defense is not anywhere near close to as special as it was last year, and they, they're just not getting turnovers. And if we're not, if this team isn't going to turn you over, isn't going to set that offense up in plus position, they are going to struggle to score points. I think the Giants could just win this game. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the Giants and those six. I can't disagree with anything you said, but how can you trust the Giants at all right now? Danny Dimes is looking uh, not nearly as good as he looked when he first got the job over Eli Manning. Um, he, his numbers have, have been trending down steadily ever since. Um, and and what in the world happened with Saquon Barkley last week? Was that 13 carries for one yard? I I never would have thought that he was uh, capable of a game like that. He's such a, a strong forward runner, but he does have a little bit of that Barry Sanders in him where sometimes he'll go backwards trying to look for a big, big play and wind up getting uh, screwed and losing yardage. So I, I honestly didn't see his runs or his highlights. I don't know if that's what happened to him necessarily, but I've seen him do that before. So I'm assuming that's what happened. Uh, but, yeah, I can't trust anything about either one of these teams right now. Um, so I'm going to wind up having to figure out, do I want to take Chicago, give the six, hope that they pull it out by a touchdown or, or take the points? I, I, we pick them all, folks. I, man, I have no confidence at all in this pick, but I'm going to take Chicago and I'm going to give the six and hope that they win by a, a touchdown. The, the defense has to come through for Trubisky. They got to hold him up right now because they got to see how struck, how much he's struggling right now. And I think uh, Danny Dimes is a quarterback that they can take advantage of. On to the Steelers and the Bengals. Pittsburgh at five and five, coming off a very uh, interesting and, and active Thursday night game that they had um, uh, against the Brownies uh, and Cincinnati at 0 and 10, but I, I guess they competed against Oakland. So uh, that, that's some positivity, I suppose. Uh, the five and five Steelers give six and a half on the road at the 0 and 10 Bengals. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bengals. Wow. Um, I, I can't really call the Bengals a, a mail it in type team. They're just, they're just bad. Right. They're they're just they're hurt, they're old, and just terrible. So I I know they covered last week, but they're they're not going to do it again. Uh, you know Pittsburgh <laughs> is Pittsburgh is generally you know well coached. They play decent defense. They've been a lot better on defense since they acquired Minka Fitzpatrick. And uh, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Steelers and give the points on the road. I'm not going to feel great about it, but ugh, Cincinnati. Ugh. 
That's a slogan. Put that on a T-shirt. Cincinnati. Um, they're they're old and hurt, and their quarterback doesn't appear to be any great shakes. Like I, I read that they may be going back to to Andy Dalton if it doesn't get any better uh, with this this kid that they've stuck in there, who's so bad I can't even recall his name right now. Um, but yeah, they, they, he's bad. They're bad. Every, everything's bad. Uh, about Cincinnati. Ryan Finley, that's his name. I had to actually look at it and, and look it up. Um, he's, he's no good, but the, who's he throwing to? What weapons does he have? So um, the, the the shame of it for Cincinnati is that this feels like their shot. This is, if they're going to win a game this year, this kind of feels like it. You know, Pittsburgh without Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Mason Rudolph isn't very good either. Um, they're, uh, Pittsburgh is not going to have Juju Smith-Schuster for this game. They're not going to have the running back, James Conner, for this game. They're not going to have their center, Marquise Pouncey, who got suspended for something. I think he did something recently, too. I'm not quite sure. I'll have to go uh, Google and look that up or something. Um, but Brent Snell should be back at running back for Pittsburgh. Uh, week four, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, on one of the uglier Monday night games you could ever imagine, uh, beat the, 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 the Bengals 27-3. That was Andy Dalton still. But he got sacked eight times, so uh, he didn't have a chance uh, to do anything in that game. Um, Rudolph uh, threw for 229 and two TDs in that game. So, yeah, I'll have him uh, do something similar, 200 yards and a couple touchdowns, and, and I'll take Pittsburgh and give it a six and a half. I don't feel great about it either, but, God, the Bengals are just atrocious. The uh, Detroit Lions and the Washington Redskins, speaking of atrocious, speaking of toilet bowl games, we pick them all, folks. Uh, Denver at three, uh, I'm sorry, Detroit at three, six, and one. Um, and again, uh, Matt Stafford is hurt. He's not going to start once again. So more Jeff Driscoll for the Lions. Uh, they are nonetheless still three and a half point favorites on the road at the one and nine Washington Redskins. Ugh. Yeah, uh, I, I hate to have a running theme here this week, but I'm going to actually take the Redskins at home. We get a we get a dome team that's been good at home. I mean, they've been they've been a tough out at home, but I want to see this dome team go on the road into Washington, play outside, colder weather, and sometimes you just get these teams that are just ripe for the plucking, and I really have a weird feeling that the Redskins are going to be able to stay within this number or even possibly win this game, and I really have no reasons why. I'm not on mute here, am I? No, I was on mute taking a, a sip, oh. and, and it wouldn't get me back on, but now I'm I back. I thought I yeah. killed you with my pick. No, um, I'm looking at both of those teams and wondering how to go with either one myself. Um, yeah, I, I had a point, and I forgot it because I got kicked out of the show for a second, and it threw me off. Oh, uh this uh, you you like this uh, flashback or throwback name uh, on the Pro Football Focus podcast? They said that uh, what Dwayne Haskins is doing, the way he's playing right now, they said he looks like Tavares Jackson 2.0, uh, in the sense that he's looking for his receivers to get wide open before he decides to throw the football, and he's he's refusing to throw the ball unless they appear wide wide open, like he doesn't trust himself to get the ball to them uh, if they are if they look like they might be kind of covered. And I guess Tavares Jackson did a lot of that. And you got to realize in the NFL, they're not going to look 
you know, unless it's Julio Jones or some uh, otherworldly athlete, they're not going to be completely wide open. You got to get the ball there, even though they might be covered up and trust them to make the play because they're professionals and you got to, you know, just let it go. And he, right now he's not letting it go. I got to admit, I haven't watched a a whole lot of extended Dwayne Haskins action, so I don't know how accurate that is, but it's, you know, the PFF guys, that's their job to to look at this stuff and cover it. So I I trust their analysis of it. So with that in mind, I'm looking at that matchup of Driscoll versus uh, Tavares 2.0. And I'm I'm thinking, well, if, if, if uh, Haskins is looking like that, then I got to, I can't consider Washington unless they're going against a team that is going to leave guys open and, and is bad at, at pass defense and will possibly leave guys open. And luckily for uh, Mr. Haskins, the Lions are bad at pass defense. They're giving up 7.9 yards per throw. Uh, so Terry McLaurin, I think it's going to be getting open and, and get a couple touchdown throws from Dwayne Haskins. And I, against my better judgment, I will concur with you and take the Washington Redskins. It's it's a weird, weird week. What can I say? I, I know. We're agreeing on picks. There's no reason we should be agreeing on them. <laughs> I, I thought I I thought when I looked back after I made my picks and looked down the sheet, I was like, ooh, this is. <laughs> yeah, so far we've taken the Jets and the Redskins. <clears throat> and you and you locked up the Bill and the uh, Dolphins. I the like Dolphins, that. I like them. I like the, and the Broncos. It, it, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're not done yet. Jacksonville and Tennessee. Let's see what we think of this one. <laughs> it's always that type of game. Uh, and, and yeah, PFL I'm surprised this on the Thursday night game. How, can we just have all <laughs> AFC South games on Thursday night? They we did already it already. We should have had a double header. Just get them out of the they way. Did the, they already did this matchup. Uh, week three, one of the worst Thursday yeah. night games you will ever see. Uh, <laughs> Jaguars won 20-7 down in jail, sacked uh, Marcus Mariota nine times in that game. And and, and Gardner, oh, Minshew, Minshew Mania had two touchdown throws. So they already did that. They can't put them on Thursday night for both matchups. At least I don't think they can. They probably are tempted to. Um, in any event, it's the uh, four and six Jaguars uh, with, with Nick Foles now in his second game back with them. Uh, three and a half point dogs. There's a hook on there at the five and five Tennessee Titans. I, I just can't quit the Jacksonville Jaguars, man. <laughs> I just don't know how to quit them. Uh, I'm gonna have to t- you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just. This is my Super Bowl team, man. That's my quarterback, is Nick Foles. <laughs> uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take the Jaguars here. I mean, I, I can't trust the Tennessee Titans at all. I, I still think that the Jaguars are the better team. Yes, I know Derrick Henry is my team. My quarterback. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know that we're gonna. You're probably gonna throw on the rushing stats of J- J- Suxonville and Derrick Henry's gonna run for 275 <laughs> yards. Yes, I'm completely aware that that is looming large, but I do think that the Jacksonville Jaguars, at the end of the day, are the better football team, and I do think with Nick Foles back and it's another week under the belt, and that is an offense that. That, that can move the football. There's a deep threat back in Jacksonville, and I think it's going to be enough for going there and spring the upset. Uh, Pro Football Focus got off a great great quote about this game too. They said this is so screwy. Either way, you, this could be forty-eight to three. Either team, either way, they could see this. 
48 to negative, because you don't know which team's going to show up either side for the Jaguars or the Titans. You never know uh, what you're going to get. So is Foles broken back in now after the one game? He looked like he was rusty and uh, against Indianapolis and they couldn't pull him through. Uh, or is he just broken? And the reason I asked that is because some of the uh, quotes that were attributed to him after that game, which I don't know if you had heard about any of this, but he said uh, that they were, quote, just blessed. He, he used the word that you love, so we're just blessed. Um, he said that they were just blessed to play a game and that the guys should just go home and, and be happy and be with their families. Um, and uh, later on in the week when he was questioned about that, uh, apparently he said that the Jaguars were, quote, figuring out who we are as a culture, unquote. I, that doesn't sound like an NFL quarterback. That sounds like someone that's trying to become a guru of some sort. And I don't like the sound of all that. Uh, that's just weirdness out of Nick Foles. So um, not because of that, but that makes me feel better about taking uh, Tennessee and giving the three and a half. And you already called it, and I don't have to say it, but I'll say it anyway. Yes, I think Derrick Henry is going to run for 200 on the Jaguars, who cannot stop anybody on the ground. They're giving up 5.3 yards per carry this year. The Titans are coming coming off a bye. Derrick Henry ran for a buck 80 the last game before uh, before the bye, so he's starting that second half push that he that he went on last year, uh, which, if you remember, started against Jacksonville when he just ran all over them. Um, so yes, I do see a repeat of that, and, and I will gladly take Tennessee and give it a three and a half. On to uh, the Cowboys and the Patriots, which we discussed a little bit already. So that should be a game that uh, everyone's eyes are on because it's a game between two teams that you want to root for both of them to lose, if if at all possible. Uh, but the Cowboys at six and four, but with Dak Prescott playing as hot as he can play, uh, nonetheless six point underdogs at Tom Brady and the nine and one nine and one New England Patriots. Yeah, I know you kind of telegraphed where you were going to go with this pick. And uh, I don't want to crap all over this, but yeah, I have the Dallas Cowboys as well here, too. I think that there's just too much going. I'm assuming you have the Dallas Cowboys, unless you were throwing me a curveball. Um, I think there's just too too much ineptitude for a team that's as talented as Dallas. The one thing that does scare me is that Bill Belichick is a coaching genius and Jason Garrett is an idiot. Um, <laughs> that does scare me. But there's way too much talent in, in uh, the Dallas defense is solid. The offense is solid. There's playmakers everywhere on that field. If I told you, give me a list of the top 10 playmakers playing in this game, eight of them are probably Dallas Cowboys. The only thing that they don't have is Bill Belichick, and that scares the living hell out of me. So while I think that the Cowboys may still end up losing this game, I think their talent is good enough to keep it under the number. Paper champions. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep picking against New England. I'm going to keep looking at that early season schedule and how light and fluffy it was and how this schedule is much, much tougher. The Cowboys are anything but light and fluffy. Dak Prescott, uh, the way he's playing is anything but light and fluffy. Uh, The Cowboys have the better quarterback in this game right now. Tom Brady is not the best quarterback playing in this game. Dak Prescott is. Dak Prescott is playing better. He just is. Oh, yeah, the numbers um, are there. The, the, the numbers are there. The New England offense looked awful against the Eagles except for one drive. Um, the, the Dallas D-line can get after Tom Brady. We talk about busting him in the fucking mouth. They can do that to Brady. They can 
get after him. They can make life uncomfortable. Uh, again, with the weaponry problems with, with New England, Phil Dorsett is still concussed. He's uh, He got jacked up on that touchdown last week, and, and he's not going to play tomorrow. Muhammad Sanu's got a bad ankle. The uh, beat writers in New England are saying that that's a multi-week injury. And, of course, he's listed as questionable because Bill Belichick is a douche and he's not going to admit that uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deal that he's not going to play anytime soon. But you're not going to see Sanu out there anytime soon. Uh, so that leaves Julian Edelman and guys. It, it's just I don't understand how New England is 9-1. I still – I'm telling you, I don't – this was going to be my lock before I saw that, that Dolphin spread. So – here we go again, <laughs> where I should lock up one team and I'm, instead I'm going to lock up another. So, yeah, I definitely like the Cowboys uh, in this one. On Sunday night football, this is the one that, as you mentioned, got flicks to uh, to the prime time because of the prime matchup between the 8-2 and two Packers and the 9-1 and one 49ers. Uh, should be a great one. Packers are coming off their bye. Uh, Green Bay is a uh, cop-out line, three-point dog at San Francisco. Yeah, this one this one was tough for me because we, we've got the the 49ers who feel like that they have been a team that is hard to trust because we've, we, we've sort of equated the Niners to the Patriots, and then last, last week they went in some incredibly lucky fashion and then cover in even luckier fashion. Um, the, the Seahawks mm. got them, although that was in overtime. And then there have been times this year that they've just looked incredible. I mean, that that, that whooping that they put on the Carolina Panthers um, out in San Francisco, the show me game, right? That was the game where we were like, yeah, you guys better show me something here. And then just go out and utterly dominate. And you'd think that the normal tendency would be to take Green Bay here, but I'm equally as unimpressed lately with Green Bay. They should have lost to Detroit. Oakland gave them more than they could handle, even though the score didn't indicate it. Um, they had the game that they lost. They have they have not been the most impressive. The Panthers could have tied that game if Christian McCaffrey had gotten the ball apparently one more half millimeter closer to the goal line on that last play of the game that only was not called a touchdown because you just couldn't see where the ball was. Um, but every, even all the guys laying on the ground thought it was a touchdown. But, yeah, whatever. You know, rules and stuff. Um, <laughs> that's fine. I'm not bitter about losing that pick either way. Um <laughs> So you've got an unimpressive team in Green Bay, I think, who's maybe set to go on the road here and play a team that I think I've also been unimpressed by in San Francisco. It's smelling like a whole lot of pushy to me. I believe this is three, right? Or is this three hook mm-hmm. on this one? Yeah, it, it is, is not a top out line three. I could see a last-second field goal for the Niners breaking a tie and winning the game for them. So eh, what the hell? I'm going to take the Niners to be less unimpressive. Not the most ringing endorsement, but okay. Uh, yeah, I you already uh, called it. Uh, I do think that San Francisco's defense is similar to New England's defense in which they have built up some incredible numbers uh, on the backs of some really bad opponents in the first half of the year and making themselves look as, as even more impressive than really they, they should. Uh, we've gotten so many shots of Robert Sala, the Niners defensive coordinator. So he's clearly the hot guy. He's uh, he's about three or four more sideline shots away from auditioning uh, for a, a right said Fred video. Uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about over him. I've had about enough of Mr. I'm too sexy with a shaved head and all that. Yeah. They, uh, the uh, paper champions, again, I just don't think that they're, the, the 49ers are nearly as good 
uh, as their uh, record says they are. And nine and one is a great record, but uh, I really do think it was built on the backs of a lot of uh, bad teams, <clears throat> and they're getting much more challenging uh, opposing offenses and, and opposing teams uh, coming up this month, uh, the end of uh, this month and beginning of next month. Um, I, the one thing I would uh, I had to look up and, and make sure is we've, we've seen how Green Bay has struggled over the years to protect Aaron Rodgers. So that's where I thought that San Fran might have a shot to, to pull this off is if they can get after Aaron Rodgers uh, and make life miserable for him, then they can possibly come through and pull this off. But uh, Green Bay's offensive line and pass protection, according to the football outsiders grading system is ranks 10th in the league this year, which is, much better than I expected when I went to go look that up. So that gave me the confidence to go ahead and take uh, Green Bay uh, to cover the spread and also to win this game. Uh, San Fran, of course, has still got injury issues. Matt Breida, the running back, is out. George Kittle's still got that knee issue. He's iffy. I, I can't seem to get a distinctive uh, read on whether he's actually going to play Monday night or not. They're being very coy with that, but um, I, I got I got a feeling he's not going to play. I just got uh, a, just a sort of a gut thing. And they've been getting good production out of D4 rushing the passer uh, coming over from Kansas City, but he's hurt and he's not going to play uh, in this game on Sunday night. So I, I'll, I'll take Green Bay. Uh, I, I think they've been uh, – they're coming off the bye, so they'll be fresh. They've been running the ball great with, with Aaron Jones this year and San Fran has been giving up the run. That's where you want to attack them. Uh, very similar to new England that the uh, past defense has been styled, but you can gash them in the, in the run game. And I think that's how the Packers will, uh, will get them. They'll, they'll open it up with the run game and Aaron Jones and then let uh, Aaron Rodgers open it up in the second half. And, and so I'll take the, the Packers in that one. And that leaves Monday Night Football, the Rams and the Ravens, uh, Baltimore going out to L.A. Uh, no team hotter than the 8-2 Baltimore Ravens right now. No player hotter than Lamar Jackson. They are three-point favorites on the road at the 6-4 and four L.A. Rams. Yeah, I mean, how how do you say anything bad right now about the way the Baltimore Ravens are playing NFL football? I mean, they are they're coming at teams every possible way. They're running with Lamar Jackson. I, I still fear for the poor guy's health. I mean, if I could go to Vegas and lay odds that he doesn't make it through and all the way through as far as they're going to make it in the playoffs, um, I would probably make that bet and, and maybe get some healthy odds, although I don't know because he, he he's not a big guy. He, he's kind of a slight guy, and you keep calling all these, you know, one read and go type plays or all these design quarterback runs – and unfortunately for Lamar Jackson, the magic number is unfortunate. It's one. You take one bad hit, you get rolled up by one guy. You know, you're just not. I understand you're slippery and you can move around and you can make these guys miss. But my God, it's not going to take much to get this guy and end the season for the Baltimore Ravens really quick. Um, however, uh, the Rams just, I understand this is home golf. But this is the Baltimore Ravens, which may be the best team in football. And the the the, the Rams still kind of mystify me. Their offense is it, it, it's okay. It's not what it was last year. Boy wonder, boy genius. They're not getting it done. 
The defense is it's, it's okay. I mean, they looked good against the Bears, but what defense hasn't looked good against the Bears? I want to, and there's no team that's figured Lamar Jackson out yet, other than the Chargers in the playoffs last year. I think that's the, really the only team that truly figured him out and made him look like an absolute chump. And until a team does that, I can't stay. I, I got to just keep rolling with the Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens. Lock it up. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I was going to say, you, had, you know you haven't picked a lock yet. I, I didn't know if you are going to lock this Monday nighter in. But, hey, the, the Ravens are, are hot as grease fire. They've won six in a row. Uh, the, no one can possibly say anything bad about what they've done. They've, they've done it in uh, to different teams uh, in different ways. And they've they've really made a very uh, big impression on everybody. Um, they're they're real good right now. Um, which Rams team is going to come out on Monday night? Who knows? Uh, but what we do know is how unstoppable Baltimore has been. Uh, but what I also know is the Rams are getting some weapons back. They've been trying to do this, uh, losing guys little by little. They lost Brandon Cooks a few weeks ago to a concussion. Uh, they lost Robert Woods last week to some sort of personal issues. So they wound up playing a game uh, that they prepared all week um, to have Robert Woods uh, out there and didn't have him at the last second. So they had to wind up uh, Sunday night against the Bears uh, with, with Cooper Cup and, and Guy, basically. And they wound up coming through and winning that game anyway. That was against Mitch Trubisky. This is against Lamar Jackson. So that's obviously a different uh, quality of, of opponent that they have to deal with. But Brandon Cooks is a go. Robert Woods is a go. Uh, the personal issues, concussions, all of that, they're, they're both going to be active for this game. This is the opportunity for the Rams to look like what they look like. They've got the full weaponry back. Todd Gurley has been rounding back into shape uh, as the year goes on. He's been uh, doing better and better on the ground. Um, and, and so just on a hunch, because the Ravens have been so hot and seem like they're uh, unstoppable, maybe they're ready for a bit of a letdown and the Rams getting their, their weaponry back and, and looking like they're full cells. Um, I don't feel, you know, a, a ton of confidence about it, but I'll take the, uh, the Rams with the upset on Monday night. I think, uh, like you said, it's home golf. So if he has any chance to do uh, what he's supposed to do, then this is the, the chance to do it. And, you know, the Rams, numbers-wise, aren't nearly as bad as they, they've been getting to rap for. They've just been so inconsistent. But they're still seventh in the league in passing. Um, and, and they're like I said, their running has been building up uh, as the year goes on. So they're working towards that balance that they had last year to help them get to the Super Bowl. So I think this is just a, a shot, just a shot in the dark that they're going to take advantage of, of the home date on Monday night and, and sort of bring out their best and then, uh, get a win over uh, a Ravens team that might be uh, ready to go to sleep a little bit, uh, listening to all the hype that they've been getting. Oh, are we done? Believes we're done. Yeah, five, with, with five minutes. This is go, also the we're... last. Uh, this is also the last short week of the year. Oh, and next week is technically a short week uh, because of yeah. the schedule that we agreed upon. But yeah, we we get a full sixteen games slate all the rest of the way here. So the, these shows that end four or five minutes early where we're done with all the picks and not <laughs> rushing to make our last three picks in 90 seconds, everybody, don't worry. Those shows will be back in two weeks. <laughs> but they shouldn't be because there'd be so many more teams that are so out of it that we should spend like 10 seconds on them. Like 
If, do do Browns and Bengals have a, some more matchups uh, in, in division there? I, I don't know how we could spend more than you know thirty seconds talking about that game or, or Jets and anybody really, so, or, or Redskins and anybody. But we do manage to go on. We we will find a way to to go on about those games, but we we really shouldn't. Uh, but yeah, that, this is this is the earliest we've been done with all the games I think in years, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, five minutes, uh, well, four and a half now to go in the in the live stream. So yeah, for uh, anyone who didn't listen to our after show last week, where we hammered out and discussed what we were going to do this week, or did we even do that in the after show? Did we do that on text afterwards? What's that? Uh, hammered out what we're going to do this coming. The week final decision was made over text. Okay, so we get to uh, announce that what we're going to do is we're coming back on Wednesday night, one one week only, one night only, that we're doing a, a Wednesday show once again. Um, I, I don't bowl before, we, we never bowl before Thanksgiving, so I won't be bowling that night, I always forget that. So, But you do you still need a late show because you're working? Yes, Wednesday I have a late night, so Wednesday... Um... I, I I won't get home. I won't even get home from work until nine nine fifteen. So okay. ten, you know, and I got to eat dinner, make my three yeah. picks. I mean, I obviously, can be looking at those during the day, so I may be ready with my picks. But no, I, I would definitely prefer a ten p.m. show on Wednesday night. And we, like we said, right. I think we're going to do our week twelve recap, and mm-hmm. that'll that, that that could be an hour because that's our normal, right? Right. And then we can make our three picks there, and we, I think we're doing a ninety-minute format. Was what we decided. Yeah, yeah, that, that works. So and then another 90, ninety on Saturday night. So then we can just recap our holiday, recap the Thanksgiving games, and we won't need a full hour for that. And then we can get right into picking games for Week Thirteen. Yep, there it is. So there's our schedule. For you. So you get two shows. You get you get the old school IMLD. Um, this next week coming up where you get the recap and the picks and then the pick show on Saturday. I got to say, I actually am kind of, I'm appreciating this new format. I'm, I'm sure you are. <laughs> I am. I, I definitely am. I mean, you know, with having the kids work schedule, sleep, all that stuff. No, I, I'm, I'm appreciating it too. There's, uh, you know, work gets crazy, Monday and Tuesday, that leaves me like no time to re- watch the the recaps of the of the things that I missed on Sunday. Um, so then I would wind up Wednesday trying to scramble and and watch all of that and get ready for the Wednesday show. Um, or if it was if the show was Tuesday, I'd just be screwed because I wouldn't have time. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely appreciating having Wednesday to finally catch up on all the all the, all the stuff that I missed on Sunday uh and and get to sit there and finally watch all of that. So, yeah, I'm 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 with you. It's uh allows allows me to get sleep on Tuesday night uh, instead of staying up and, and doing that show and, and it flows right into Wednesday so I'm I'm, uh, I'm with you there. I I definitely need some sleep tonight cuz we we're yeah, I'm crazy I'm, at work the last few days as well. I'm with you. I uh, I am okay with a minimal after show tonight because I had the uh, un- unpleasant opportunity to wake up last night. It was like at three fifteen, and then and then my kids were up at 
520 this morning. Yeah. So, yeah, I had a long one today. So I'm ready to just kind of, usually after the show, I have a little bit of a cool down period. And then I, uh, then I get to bed. Yeah, I, I don't think I had anything. Uh, uh, were you aware of uh, Miles Garrett's now uh, has a new story as far as what I, happened in the, you in know, the melee? It, it, it's got a little, <laughs> it's got a little Jesse Smollett vibe going to me. I, I, I don't want to see edited footage of two Nigerian dudes with burka hats. <laughs> You know, on the field, yeah. there's no corroboration from anybody about any of this. And you would have thought that people would have heard this. And had that happened, there's probably a very good likelihood that multiple people may have attacked Mason Rudolph. That happened. That All right, now to our VIP after show, as you were discussing the uh the for, for anyone who wasn't aware uh this didn't happen this didn't come out until i believe thursday so literally a full week after miles garrett the the browns defensive end ripped mason rudolph the steelers quarterback's helmet off in the thursday night game last thursday and, and proceeded to beat him with it uh fully a week after that uh, Miles Garrett has now accused Mason Rudolph of uttering a racial slur and therefore uh, setting off Miles Garrett into the attack that he uh, perpetrated on Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph denied uh, the allegation. And like you were saying, there's no other players that have so far corroborated Miles Garrett's story. Right. I would have expected you. I would have expected that one to come out right away. Because if that had happened, there probably would have been some maybe mitigation of the suspension. Maybe you would have had Mason Rudolph getting punished or get put into sensitivity training. Or, or No, this came out way too late. Uh, this feels like a last gasp for somebody who's trying to go into an appeal hearing or something with some something. Um, nobody, and absolutely nobody, has backed him up on this story. To the point where people who were actually on the field when it happened were like, no, nah, that didn't happen. Yeah, so my first reaction was exactly that when I heard that. Like, um, no, you're making that up. That's no, there's no. This is where we've come to now. There's no way that that happened, and you're just now saying it a a week later. That that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And then I had some remorse isn't the right word, but I thought about it and sort of did the the other side and what if this really happened and what would be the uh, reasoning or justification behind him not saying anything. And so I sort of made a parallel in my mind that there are, there's a similarity. It's not a perfect uh, comparison, but there's a similarity between that and a woman who gets sexually assaulted, not saying anything to cops or, or anybody in her family or something like that. So what would his excuse be? Fear of uh, not being believed, uh, fear of being ridiculed, uh, fear of you know not being taken seriously. So how possible is that or how, how realistic is that that he had uh, those fears? 
And I've come to the conclusion that I don't believe that he has the same uh, situation uh, as a woman who got sexually assaulted being afraid because what she would be afraid of is uh, not being believed by people she cares about, like her family and and, uh, people that she actually cares what their opinions are. And she would be afraid of being called a liar or, you know, why didn't you get out of the situation? Uh, Something like that. Uh, So that's real fear. That's understandable fear that she would not want to uh, have to deal with, with people with possibly disappointing people around her that she, she loves and cares about. And that's not the situation with Miles Garrett. There's no reason for him to hide this happening for a whole week. There's no fear if he came out immediately and said, well, I did this because this dude called me this, this, and this. There's no fear of people around him saying, oh, no, you're lying. He wouldn't do that. Of course, the people around him would want to believe that and and would believe Miles Garrett if he said that as soon as he said it. But because he waited a week, people are saying, you know, that no one heard that. No, he might he might have even had people on the field back him up if he immediately came out after the game or the next day and said, well, no, he called me this. He might have had somebody you know lie for him and say, yeah, I heard it too. I you know absolutely. But because he waited so long to come up with it, it sounds like it's completely contrived and something he came up with in desperation because of his. Uh, situation, his reputation being dragged through the mud, and he's trying to find a way out of out of uh, the the mess that he's created for himself. Uh, so yeah, that's how I uh, have come to that conclusion. Is I don't believe Miles Garrett either. I'm I'm uh, on the same side as you. I I, I think when, when something like that happens to you know to to, the, to black people, they don't sit around for a week or or a month or a year and say you know. I, I I wasn't gonna say that I was uh, called a racial slur, but now I think it's the right time. No, we're saying it, we're screaming it as soon as it happens. Hey, hey what the hell? No, no, this, this is not cool. Uh, so no, I, I don't believe he, that actually happened. Yeah, it's always a tricky subject, right? <laughs> yeah, always. It's hard. It's yeah. hard being a white guy saying I don't believe a black guy calling racism. Racism. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> Not, not a good no. look, but I—that's I, the first thought I had because it was—it seemed like a logical thing, you know. If it had happened right away, multiple players had said something about it, you know, that or it was caught on a hot mic, something. Just give me something. No, this There's just a million like hot the mics field. around those, yeah, yeah. Uh, around the field. The somebody with a helmet in the head. What? It doesn't have to be racist. Not everything no. has to be racist. Which is what I said as soon as it happened, because so many yeah. of the ESPN talking heads were immediately, oh. well, what happened to Mason Rudolph? Why didn't he, he get, punished? get punished? Why didn't he get suspended? Yeah. For, for what? For pushing Mason, for pushing Miles Garrett in the face? And No, you don't get suspended he, for that. Because That's he thought he got cheap shotted? Right. Yeah, that, no. So... Yet another uh, piece of this very ugly incident uh, getting added to the puzzle, but but I don't think anything's going to come of it. I mean, unless Miles Garrett comes out with some tape that backs up what he was saying, which I uh, sincerely doubt that's going to happen. Well, that old situation. 
Yeah, thankfully there wasn't much else uh, news-wise uh, in the NFL uh, this he week. Ohio, Antonio got clubbed in the head. Yep, uh, and Antonio Brown, I think, uh, is trying to make good. I think he tweeted at Robert Kraft and apologized yeah. for for what he did and, and whatever. You know, uh, stay away, stay it, away. It, 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 he he had his chance. He had multiple chances. Yeah, he's he's finished. So. That, that's about it for me. I think uh, are, are we are we finished? Yeah, I think so. Y'all y'all are y'all finished or y'all done? I, I, I think we're done. All right, good show. All right. Uh, so once again, to very quickly recap, we are recapping Week Twelve on a Wednesday night show, a special Wednesday night edition of Saturday Night Football Party. Um, we're coming back. Uh, <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, you went there. You got got to do the imagery. You got to. Uh, So the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, you got to do the branding. Uh, So the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, ten o'clock Central, eleven o'clock Eastern, to recap Week Twelve in the NFL and to make our triple gobble picks. Your Thanksgiving picks will be on the show, uh, and then I will put them up on the blog afterwards. So. That's coming up the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And then we'll be back um, next Saturday for the actual week 13 picks um, after we recap the uh, happenings on Thanksgiving, which hopefully will not involve anybody swinging a helmet at anyone's head. Uh, So that'll be what we do next week. So he is Jay. I am Dre, and we are finished. This is in much less detail, the podcast. Thank you all for coming out and listening uh, right before the Thanksgiving holiday next week. Uh, if you're not going to be able to join us on Wednesday, then enjoy your Thanksgiving and enjoy your football on Thanksgiving. But for the rest of you, hopefully you'll be back with us Wednesday night because we will be back for our special Wednesday night edition of our football party. And we will talk to you then. Everybody enjoy your football tomorrow. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.